Hello there, welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. We're, we're back. It's been a... Not been too long this time. It's been like a month. I don't know, when did Redfield come out? It feels like a million. It does. Redfield, but Redfield came out in mid-April, didn't it? Yeah, you know what's funny about Redfield is that I told like everyone at work not to see it. And then they all went to see it. And they're like, you're right. You were right. I shouldn't have seen it. And I was like, yes, I fucking told you. It was terrible. They came out th- less, a little over three weeks ago. It's been felt like a lot longer than that. The culture and the world have moved on from Renfield. Well, I mean, it, they obviously it made sixty. <laughs> it made twenty four million dollars off a sixty five million dollar budget. I feel like that's too much. I feel like that's mostly Nicolas Cage just well, that's buying seats. That's worldwide. No, Nicolas Cage didn't give a shit after he was in it. It's Robert Kirkman doing that, trying to stay relevant. <laughs> oh, good for him. We also have special guest Andy. Back here with us. Hello. Yes. I thought you were going to segue into speaking of staying relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it fits, but... Me either. There you go. Welcome, Andy. Thank you. I think we have another special guest, Mario. We do. Tell us about this. So this is a athletic brewing beer because I don't want to get started drinking because I took an antihistamine like three hours ago. and I'm overly cautious, but this is a non-alcoholic beer. It is the Mango Picante and it is a mango habanero, non-alcoholic IPA. Hmm. Uh, it does actually have heat. I will. I will warn you that. But it's one of my favorite tasting beers I've had. Honestly, you can smell the heat. Oh yeah. Like a nice mango forwardness, and then after you swallow, the spice is there. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. It does. I've never had an athletic beer, but I'm gonna say it does have like a canned tea. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice iced mango tea with this just kind of like burst of heat in the back of your throat. Yeah, but it's pretty pretty good. It tastes pretty. You know, for a non-alcoholic beer, like usually, sometimes I will actually be a crazy person and want to have a beer after like work, but I don't actually want to get. Alcohol. Uh-huh. An athletic beer. It's yeah. not bad. It, it touches like that that slight need. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean that's I get the same way when I'm drinking liquid death. That like green water in like the tall boy can. Yeah, yeah. that's just water, right? It's just water. <laughs> but it's fuck it makes you feel awesome. I was wondering what was even in those. Okay. Yeah, what everyone like swears by it. I'm not sure like why or how. I don't know. It's just good. Everyone, <laughs> Me and my son drink I mean, it all the time. We're like liquid death. Right, everyone's been saying that. Do you know, Tom, what, else what is similar to a liquid death? Oh. Is uh, c- constant, perpetual death. And this is uh, the first movie Andy and I will be talking about of a trio of films that only the two of us saw. <laughs> uh, we also saw Guardians, but we're going to hold off on the Guardians discussion until you're able to see it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, but we do have two movies that we're going to talk about later that the three of us saw. But that first film, that film that is all liquid visceral everything death is Sisu, which is a Finnish film uh, from Rare Exports director Jaumari Halander. Oh, yeah. um, it is a film set during the late World War II when there's Finnish Nazi aggressions as the Nazis are being pushed out of Finland. There is this prospector who uh, used to be this great destroyer of the Soviets, well, the Soviets and the Nazis were. Is that Sisu? Together. Yeah. Well, Sisu is means is a is a term. 
He's not a character? No. Oh. He's known as being like a, fo- a sisu, like a fo- which is like this force of nature that cannot be stopped and acts purely on vengeance. He's, right, fine. His nickname is kind of the immortal in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and his wife and child, I believe, yeah. died, uh, died during the war. Um, and he's just gone off to become a prospector, leaving behind his Soviet killing because he killed a bunch of Soviets. And he stumbles upon a vein of gold worth like an equivalent of four hundred or so thousand dollars in modern money. Um, and he's just he, you know he's going with it. He's going to take that gold back to uh, to get the gold sold and get his money. Uh, and he stumbles upon a Nazi battalion uh, of like thirty to forty guys. As you do, yeah, exa- absolutely. <laughs> Who are you know kind of leaving? a wasteland in, in their place as they're being forced out of Finland. Uh, and these guys realize that they're losing the war and that the gold that they f- see him have is their way out. So they try to get him. But the rest of the movie is is them not successfully <laughs> getting him. Um, I don't know. Do you want to see how you feel about this at first? This movie fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's 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 super well developed. It has, it does have that kind of Tarantino flair to it. It's told over a series it, of seven it's chapters. The best Tarantino movie that he didn't make. Yeah, it's like the best kind of that vein of that Tarantino ripoff. Uh, Interesting. Kind of that late mid era Inglorious Bastards, Django and Chain, without all the obtrusive dialogue and everything. So. Yeah, there's barely there's not much dialogue in this movie Do at you all. You both like this more than Inglorious Bastards. No, but uh, I mean, yeah, easily, but me too. I didn't um, even see this. But I, <laughs> but I hate Inglorious Bastards. I do. I love Inglorious Bastards. So I only like it for two for two moments when the Christoph Waltz is is giving some, that's the a, two speeches that's and then everything lot. else I can okay. I can take or leave. So. You don't like Eli Roth being Bear Jew? No, and Bear Bear Jew? B.J. Fucking Novak and the worst scene in Quentin Tarantino's entire oeuvre, which is the bar scene. Oh, which that he bar just scene doesn't know how to get out of it, and yeah. so he just everyone just keeps talking forever and ever and ever. Although that, yeah. that bar scene made me realize I'm a weirdo in that when I do three, I hold up my fingers like this. I do hold up, and, and this is great podcast dialogue, but I do hold up the thumb yeah. and two fingers. I don't do the three in the so middle. so weird. Very, very German of you. I am like half German. Uh, but no, yeah, no, this is, it is kind of like that best kind of Tarantino film, I think, that is in the Tarantino film. It's super lean. You're in. You get up, what, 10 minutes of setup or so? Yeah. Maybe, and then from there on out, it's just unbridled action. It's with like white knuckle ride. And yeah. literally, Sisu translates to white knuckling it to you know, ah. whatever. So it's really that's what it is, and it's fantastic. He's a superhero. Like, yeah, it's they, not realistic. Don't go in thinking that, but these Nazis get killed in awesome mm-hmm. ways. And spoiler: <laughs> the dog doesn't die. So yes, yeah, uh, so. yeah. The dog, the dog is also kind of an immortal. Uh, it, it's definitely a film that like he. The, the, the immortal character, they, they, our lead character survives a devastating plane crash into the ground at full speed. And is, because it goes into a peat mog, he's okay. Oh, okay. He just walks it off. He survives a hanging by like impaling his leg into a post so he can survive it for an This guy sounds day. awesome. <laughs> uh, he is. No, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's unbridled, kind of like the testosterone sort of film. Um, it doesn't, it is comedic in, its, in the sense of how nonsensical and ridiculous Absurdity. it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. doesn't try to have any stakes um, at all. Like, you never doubt that this guy's not going to survive. No, of course not. And the Nazis are just buffoons, and it just, uh, it's just perfect. I don't know. I just, yeah. My, their dialogue was great. 
I would have a couple criticisms. I would say some of the action scenes in near the end of the film are pretty poorly shot. Like there's a little tech editing, especially on the, the final confrontation on the airplane and some of the stuff on top of the tank. Um, doing like the secondary <laughs> henchmen. That it's you sometimes kind of lose space of where you are. Sure. Yeah. Um, the plane was rough, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, it's a fun time. Uh, it, it's something good to watch, like when you're when you're getting drunk and and want to yeah. watch something streaming. I think it's on VOD, like today. Oh, oh look at that! Timely. Yeah, pretty good. That's us. We're always known for our timeliness. <coughs> Speaking of of also on VOD today, I saw that was this was on VOD. Uh, the second film that Andy and I saw that you weren't able to see um, was Evil. Di- Evil Dead Rise. I wanted to make sure that there wasn't another film. There was. We're just not going to talk about Champions. We both like Champions. It was fun. Yeah. That's all there is to say about it. It's a really good kind of like warm, feel-good movie. Good Woody, go Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Evil Dead Rise was a meant to originally be an HBO Max exclusive streaming film. Um, but when test audiences saw it, they decided to reach it theatrically. Uh, it is 100% an Australian movie, it feels like, because every cast member in this is Australian. Lee Cronin, the director, mm. writer, is Australian. Um, it is meant to be different from all the Evil Deads because of the fact that it's told in an uh, apartment tower in an urban area, presumably Los Angeles, yeah, I think. We're, Some we're, unknown Yeah, it, it is Los Angeles. As opposed to a cabin in the woods. <laughs> exactly, Correct. as opposed to yeah. a cabin in the woods, or a medieval castle yeah, yeah, from the best movie of the variation, uh, Army of Darkness. This um, movie is no good. <laughs> I don't, there's not, it, it, it's kind of a bummer, I think, um, I think. I think you would be kind of saying a lot of this after we got out of it. Yeah, like, I... I I don't care for the movie, but I can also respect that I think it's really well made and probably made for someone else, just not me. I th- that's, that's my thing. I think it's extremely well directed mm-hmm. and well shot, well acted. The sound design and it's great. All the parts that should make a great it's movie clever. are there. There's the cleverness of it, like the, yeah. the earthquake and how everything opens up and how everything comes together, but it just... See, that's, that's my issue is I, I don't find it clever. I find the, the script to be painfully lacking in this... The dialogue choices, I think, in it don't really work. Um, it, it's not funny. Yeah, it's not funny, and it's not intended to be funny, mm-hmm. but the issue with Evil Dead as a franchise is the first film was not intended to be funny either, but it ends up being inadvertently funny because of how kind of poorly made it was, and then it leaned into it for Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, and Nash Evil Dead. Now, where Fetty Alvarez, I think, succeeded with... You never, did you see Evil Dead 13? Mm-hmm. Did we talk about this? I yeah. think that also leans into the horror of it. But there is logical consistency um, with like how this kind of demon force comes about mm-hmm. and the stakes dealing with... Um, I don't remember her character's name, but Jane Levy's lead character um, in that kind of dealing with an addiction issue. Um there is some sort of palpable tied in stakes that they try to do here with the ideas of motherhood and being a mother mm. that just completely fall flat. And it, and it goes kind of hit you over the head with it too. Oh. And it really doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. And it goes back, <clears throat> I think to like to logic of just like anybody can become affected at any sort of time. Um, and that just becomes feels too easy, hmm. feels too simple. Uh, I also think for a movie that's supposed to be unrelentingly brutal 
and mean-spirited, it's pretty much not. <laughs> like, mm. it, it can be gory at times, but I do think it... It was a bit much for me, but I have a softer stomach than Mario for that. Yeah, maybe, thing, like, probably. having seen, like, Terrifier 2 and yeah, whatnot. yeah. yeah. <coughs> or even like something. I thought like, it was a little even something too. like Outwaters. I think has a little more. Yes. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like now looming over the whole. But the whole some, some of these major things that they talked about in it, uh, such as like the cheese grater scene, um, oh, oh, oh. just just Mm-mm. only last for a second. Yeah. Um, and well, they're not. It doesn't. So I mean, yes, because they telegraph all that stuff in the trailer. Like here, there's a cheese grater in this. What are they going to do with the cheese grater? Is it just kind of they do it and then they don't show it anymore, or they're like actively a, showing like you know? So it's a quick grab, great across the leg. You see a bit of the leg scar, and then uh-huh. it doesn't affect her. I looked away, so I don't yeah. know what they showed. Gotcha. It's, it's not. It's not terrible. <laughs> I did not like it. But the issue is, is like there's no real feeling of stakes or whatnot. That nothing kind of coalesces together in a smart way. The finale. Where they basically form this Rat King super monster. Yeah. Rat King from Last of Us 2 and whatnot. Um, <laughs> in case people don't know what that is. Uh, Wait, there's a Rat stupid. King super monster in Last of Us 2? Is there like a. Le- I'm, I'm legitimately asking. There is, yeah. There's, there's like a. There's a thing. Like what? Kind of, kind of like Where that. they all get mashed together? Yeah. What? Kind of. I don't remember it, but yeah. Um. Last of Us 2 is garbage. We've talked about this before. Um, I just, I'm, I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating what a. I, I wonder. Yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave that out. I wonder. Um, but in this movie, too, they come together as these deadites come together as like this super monster. It just looks fucking stupid. And I don't know what the point of that was. <laughs> to be cool. And okay. It just isn't cool because yeah. it's a bad CGI. Creation. Like it doesn't make it more nimble, doesn't make it faster. Just just kind of makes it more clumsy and harder to try to. Yeah, kill exactly. Anything. And, I didn't and get it the looks like point. shit. And it looks bad. Yeah, because it's bad CGI. It's like mediocre CGI. Do you ever, in a film that's mostly been practical effects to that point? Do you ever play that game Inside? Uh, I played it for a bit. Couldn't get so, really through it. Uh, as a spoiler, I love that game, and I love Limbo too. Yeah, I wasn't a big Limbo guy either. So. Um, did you play the the third one in that kind of series? No, no, no. I just I've just done the two, but the, the same thing kind of happens at the end of Inside. Spoiler alert: where like all of these people just like mash themselves together, and like that's kind of like the end game, and it just very clumsily like stumbles about and destroys things. Um, and it's funny. It's made for laughs. It's not made to be like gruesome or grotesque, especially when you're like cheese gratering somebody's leg, like. I don't know. A fused together monster is not doesn't have the same kind of intensity to it. it. Doesn't sound like no, for sure. Like there's stuff that happens beforehand that dwells. Like the cheese grater thing is is horrific. There's a part where she, the mother who's been possessed, threatens you know her daughter with a tattoo needle, like because it's going to the eye. Much you know. Yeah. There's um, There's a lot of eye trauma. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So there's there's stuff that happens that is more traumatic than a um, fuse monster. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer. There's there's a lot of promise for Lee Cronin. I never saw um, his first movie, uh, or not his first movie, kind of like his big ground, the, the hole in the ground, ground, that one. I never saw that uh, his feature debut. So, but he's oh, kind of yeah. talented eye. 
Um, there's definitely needs... there's definitely talent in this movie. It just was not for me. I like this. I'll see what he does next. Yeah, I just I think that screenplay needed some Passovers. I think it's a problem with some of these movies though is that they're just why are you, why make another Evil Dead movie just like to put an, an IP out there and say like it's Evil Dead. A certain number of people will automatically pay to see this, and we can maybe make our money back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess these 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 guys, these directors, need to kind of like get out of this, or you hope that they can get out of of the IP kind of it, it do something more original, ass and just original. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> uh, yeah, like because I, I agree because like there's that what's that what's that that twenty two the A twenty four horror movie that's coming out that I want the hand talk one? to me or like talk to oh, me. Oh yeah, 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 that sounds good. I think it's like a New Zealand director, so it's still two unknown directors who are basically got their their build from YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Like that's an original ish film. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of telling a similar premise we've seen before. Apparently, a lot more gory than that premise. I've heard is. it's very, very, very upsetting. Yeah, um, but that's an original idea, most most part, and I think it's going to make the same amount of money that something like this could would. I mean, uh-huh. Evil Dead made. A lot of money. A shit ton of money, actually, but those profit margins at some point don't really. Yeah, but if A twenty four markets it right, they're they're <coughs> the you know conceivably they're the company to do it. Yeah, maybe. Well, but they need they're going to need to make money back. Um, you think they, they spent some money? Because they, they may be on their. Uh, I think this is their highest budgeted film. Is it really to date at thirty five million dollars? Original. It's, it's an original, not IP though. So yeah. It is for sure original. <laughs> a sequel to Everything Everywhere All at Once. No, not, no. not, not very very different <laughs> movies. Uh, this is Ari Aster's third feature film. Hopefully his last. Mm-hmm. Bo is afraid. She's very pretty. Is that the type of girl you're attracted to? I am so sorry for what your daddy passed down to you. I wanted a child. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Do you ever wish that she was dead? What? Bo? Are you on your way? I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? I sincerely doubt that. I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. Bo Wasserman, played by Joaquin Phoenix, is a highly anxious man uh, who lives in a city that has, uh, that is, everything is basically told through his perspective. So it seems as though everything is a constant nightmare. Um, He is uh, the son of a incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful pharmaceutical company and this basically is the be- from the beginning of the movie what this is like from the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. oh. pharmaceutical company owner um actually the very beginning of the movie is is his birth through the birth yeah canal. that's how you enter the movie Terrific. But, uh Bo is going to go see his mother um he is taking new anxiety pills to deal with his anxiety uh he has high functioning anxiety um so much so that the entire film is kind of told through this lens of his own anxiety. So a town, the city that he lives in, which we can presume on the outside is probably a fairly run, maybe runnish down 
working class area he sees as this total extreme psychotic nightmare mm. um like drug use and fights on the street and this birthday man birthday suit stabbing man who's a naked man who just goes around stabbing people <laughs> um he is convinced that this black-eyed shirtless heavily tattooed man is trying to constantly chase him i get the presumption that person's like a constant beggar who's like always asking for money or something like that it's just told in this highly elevated tone uh-huh. um he goes to get water because he does new pills require he drinks it with water he's apartment has run out of water sure and he swallows the pill without getting the water so he gets once again convinced he's gonna die blah 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 whatever happens everyone goes into his apartment uh so he ends up through some way missing his flight oh he misses his flight right he this misses plot his, doesn't make any sense so you can keep doing it as long as you mom? want what? Where's he going? He's yes. going to go visit his mom on the anniversary of his dad's death. His gotcha. dad's death. His okay. dad, who died at the moment of conception uh, oh, from a heart which is a, or from a heart disease. Nice. Of something that, like, that his mom has told him happens to all the men in uh, the line of the Wassermans. They oh. all die at the second of orgasm. Um, any orgasm or just like the kids? Any, any, any orgasm. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so through some miscalculations and whatnot, he sleeps through an alarm. Because he was fighting with the neighbor. He's fighting with the neighbor of the music. Um, he uh, soon finds out that his mother uh-huh. uh, died when oh. he tries to call home because he missed a flight. Uh, his mother was her head was crushed by a by chandelier, a chandelier mm-hmm. and has been completely destroyed. We get uh, the UPS man discovers her body, played by an uncredited, I believe, Bill Hader. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, that's what I look forward to. Yeah, that's, that's probably like one of the <laughs> that's highlight. Yeah, that's a highlight. That's a Bill Hader has a voice, like, role. You see him slightly later on, but trying to, like, be sad about, like, trying to say, like, oh, man, I just found this body. I don't know who it is. Um, and so he uh, goes to, uh, for some reason talk to a police officer because of the birthday suit stabbing man chases him. Um, and he is hit by a... But he is also naked. He is also naked, yes. No, he's naked. That's right, he's naked because of the bath Bath-o, thing. Yeah. There's, there's a brown recluse thing. Uh, he is hit by a car, <laughs> um, a food truck, actually. And the food truck is driven by Amy Ryan and yeah. Nathan Lane, who take him in. Oh, yeah, um, I forgot Nathan Lane's in this movie. Uh, they take him in. They're re- you know trying to help him recover... Um, they are also extremely needy and trying to like take him into their family. Uh, they're lost a son, um, in the war and they've taken in his like, what partner, war? uh, like Afghanistan yeah, or one of those. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It just says, I think they just say killed in action, but they've taken it as like partner and whatnot. Assume as much as be son. Yeah. Timing. He's kind of right. dressed like he's from Vietnam though. It's in the pictures. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this movie doesn't make any sense. He's being told, but Bo is being told by the lawyer, played by Richard Kind, oh. that he has to get there as quickly as to the Wasserman, to his mother's, because she has to be buried as the Jewish custom as quickly as possible, but yeah. she will not be buried until he's there. Um, but he's kind of held hostage by Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan, who are trying to like take him in as their own. Um, their daughter, Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan's daughter, uh, hates him. Uh, eventually, she says she wants to get out of it, so she drinks a bunch of paint, which is from the Wasserman Company, 
and she dies. And then they're convinced that he killed her. And so Amy Ryan sends the crazy partner of her dead son to go after him. So Bo runs away, runs into a troop of people <laughs> that are a woods traveling uh, theater group. Mm-hmm. Um, he watches a performance of what his life could have been. Uh, which is in a really cool 20-minute-long animated-ish sequence mm-hmm. of what his life could have been if he had, like, broke ties from his mother at an early age and what he could have done. Um, but then at the end of the play, when he's finally... He loses his family and whatnot in this play during a big storm. He's reunited with his family. He's told, like, oh, hey, how could we have had you if you never had sex, blah, blah, blah. And then this is interrupted by this Jeeves fella, the uh, guy who was the crazed war guy, coming in and killing most of the troop, chasing him down. Bo continues to run. Bo eventually gets to his mother's house, but he's missed the funeral because they just finally had the funeral. And so he's a little sad about this, but then he's not sad when he sees that um, Elaine, who we've seen in flashbacks for this cruise, who was like the love of his life, who he said he was going to wait for. He's only known her for a few days as a teenager, um, is a worker for Mona, uh, in this Wasserman Corporation, played by Parker Posey. Mm. Um, they chat for a bit <coughs> and eventually decide to have sex. Uh, we get to see Bo's gigantic gigantically engorged <laughs> testicles from never orgasming. He does orgasm, and nothing happens. He survives. Parker Posey, however, does immediately die um, from her orgasm. Uh, and then we find out that Mona uh, faked her death, that she did this just to get her son back. She had the uh, housekeeper uh, take the place, and that was the decapitated body resolved, and she was going to take care of that entire housekeeper's family. Um, she then derides um, Bo, telling him that he's super selfish and Never loved her. We find out that the psychiatrist from the beginning is also an employee of hers and the family that uh, the Nathan Lane, Amy Ryan characters we see on the billboard where it, like the, remember that poster board? You see mm-hmm. them in that. <coughs> Employees of hers. She's orchestrated and kind of set up this life for him. He uh, attacks her and then runs away in a rowboat and has you know, kind of in a <laughs> traveling boat. As he's traveling in a boat, he goes into a cave and the cave ends up being this big amphitheater where he is judged uh, by Richard Kind as the prosecutor with Mona. And there is a uh, basically a car salesman type defense attorney trying to defend his actions. That guy is eventually thrown off a cliff and his face explodes because it's an Ari Aster movie. So there has to be face like lot, destruction. Yeah. Um, this big water amphitheater, he's being... He finds out his feet are kind of glued to the bottom of the boat, then the boat flips over, and Bo drowns while the people in the amphitheater watch on and eventually leave the amphitheater. And that is how Bo is afraid ends. We really didn't spoil anything because the movie makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is three hours of that film. Um, I have often talked on this podcast. <laughs> about how Robert Altman's Dr. T and the Women is in the exclusion of films that are made with zero talent, zero vision, 
Um, I wouldn't want to say zero budget because that doesn't necessarily quote to the quality of a film. But Richard the, Gere had to get paid something to be in Doctor yeah, Two the movie. I, I have often said that from the stance of a film that is a film, it is the worst film ever made. Hmm. I don't disagree with you. But. No longer <gasps> the worst film ever made. Cue this, the music, Tom, <laughs> and post. <laughs> this is beyond a shadow of a doubt, the most unpleasant in a way of, not unpleasant in the way of, oh, the anxiety and the tension of it, because none of that works. Unpleasant in the way of the anxiety I felt 80 minutes into this movie, knowing I had another hour and 10 minutes left. You were really on Disappointment Boulevard. Knowing that I was watching a film made by a 35-year-old grown boy who has never had the ability to mature to a place where he could have something of any consequence to stay mm. that would have be in any way sort of interesting visually, thematically, humorously. There is some moments of humor in the beginning of the film that work, but they are all sophomoric and very easy. The animated sequence, I think, is tremendous, but it's mostly directed by these Chilean, I believe, animators. So they weren't even our guys that did Wolfhouse. Yeah, yeah, the guys that did Wolfhouse. I'm not really familiar with Wolfhouse. You didn't see Wolfhouse? You gotta watch Wolfhouse. I don't think I ever did. Um, yeah, that was no, the I year we did. didn't do like. That was the year we didn't want to have any conversations about animated movies or like foreign films. Was it? Yeah, so it wasn't last was year, it was the year before. No, it was the Widows. No, it was 20, or was it like 2019 that it released here, I think? Okay, so it came out in 2018, but it's probably majorly here in 2019. I don't know. We could look it up, I guess, but um, yeah, Wolf House is fantastic. Yeah. So that makes sense that that would be like the one good thing. And it also makes sense so that he, of all people, would pick um, this very kind of, I don't know, underground like, team of, of animators who, like, aren't, like, on anybody's radar, really, and they're, you know, um, you know Latin American that he would, he would reach out. It's, it almost seems, even though I love that movie, it seems like a very pretentious choice to, like, engage these people in his, in his very, um, I don't know. I didn't see it. Self-congratulatory. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's, and that's the thing. Um, you've never seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things, correct? Are we talked about that? No, yeah. Give it I, know, I know. Um, it, it is obviously him trying to do his Kaufman as the deck in New York, or I'm thinking of ending things, uh-huh. or Ant Kind, and Ant Kind's the most inaccessible of uh, Charlie Kaufman projects. But it's still like coherent enough that you can follow it along and then laugh at the the jokes when they when they come. Absolutely, and this is this film is I think coherent. I think it does make sense if you have an entry point to it. Yeah. Um, if you look, I don't know how you think about that. I think if you look at it from the point of view of everything's heightened because of just his anxiety. Yeah, I I get that. And I actually liked the beginning of the movie, probably the first 20 minutes. And I felt it. And then it just doesn't really make... If you if you consider him just being like just an unreliable narrator and we're just going through everything through his eyes, I guess, it just seems a little convenient. No, and absolutely. That's the issue with this movie is I think <clears> it's a super convenient... And then it stops having things to say um, after about 40 minutes. I think if you completely excise 
Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan's sequence in this film, it's a and it's a film that maybe makes a little more sense. I mean, you're cutting out then an hour of this film, but he's still, with them for an hour. Yeah, I mean, Nathan Lane might be one of the more fun performances in this movie, but didn't need to be there. Didn't make any sense. Do you also think it's bad? This movie? Yeah. Oh, this is the worst movie I've seen this year. Oh, cool. It's it's just unrelentingly dull. Um, and you know, eventually you find out his father isn't dead, and his oh, he's not. Is a giant penis monster in what? the attic. Yeah, which is just supposed to be a representation of like an absent so father. His who was just dad like, was the guy at the the guy in the the tr- traveling troop that he saw. No, that was a friend of his father's. Was it? Yes. What? Oh, this movie's fucking. So at any point, does any of it's this supposed to say of... your dad isn't dead? Your mother's been lying to you. Which yeah. we get the idea that's true. We get the idea the mother is a controlling psychopath. Yeah. So all of this seems to take place in some kind of like fantasy world. Yes. Like it never resolves at any point to to like being the real world. No. No. No, no way, never. So it's just you're stuck inside of his own kind of psychosis. Yeah. Yes. His, his, oh, that's really terrible. Absolutely. And people are saying it's not terrible because, like, oh, sometimes you get an access point and, like, that's a little simple. That's like, no, we get it. Like, I get it, Ariaster. I get what you're doing, bud. Mm-hmm. You're just not good at you're it. You're doing it real hard. I think, and that's, I, I don't think he's not, that he's not good at whatever he's doing. He just needs somebody to fucking corral him. There's definitely talent. Like what his technically, I think what this movie did was great. I just I hope he got this out of the system and go back because I but liked his last two movies. Got, no matter what you guys say, but even like Midsommar is is fine. I've I've said Midsommar. Is, I, I lo- don't like it. I too much. I like Midsommar. I enjoyed it a lot, even though I don't think. I, so one of the reasons, but the director's I, cut of that movie is a nightmare. Oh yeah, I didn't watch the director's cut. Um, it's 180 minute long. Oh, I didn't it's, see that. It's more. It's got more anthropology in it, from what <coughs> yeah. I understand. Right. I mean, the thing I the the I enjoyed Midsommar a lot. Um, the thing I found, I guess, problematic with Midsommar was just like the discussion surrounding it, where everyone thought it was a really brutal, which I didn't really think it was, and b um, like subversive in some way. And they which always they reference like. You know, the guy being sewn up into the bear costume was like, I don't give a shit about that. Who cares if he gets sewn up into a bear? And then, you know, the... Well, the movie we're going to talk about next is more subversive. Just sure. Because it's unapologetic and, like, Midsommar is too clean looking of a film. Right. And too, like, well shot and well lit of a film. Which is why be... I thought it was, it felt good. It felt good to watch it. I was like, it's cool to be in this world. The Florence Pugh... Performance is, is really excellent. I thought the um, Hacks and Cloak score was really good, and I thought the ending um, was just obtuse enough that you can kind of like make whatever you want out of it. And it just, you know, they have such a strong performer in Florence Pugh, they were just like, we're just going to let this, you know, fire in the background, some screaming, we're going to let the score play, and you just make a face. Yeah. And that'll be good. Hereditary, I thought, was actually probably closer to what you are suggesting that Bo is Afraid is, which is kind of a mess, kind of like full of ideas that don't coalesce into anything. And then when they try to like jam them together at the end, I'm just like, that's it. Uh, that's why we're doing all this because he's like the devil. And, and all a fucking break. And all three of these movies, I think my biggest problem with them, maybe it's like the audience reaction to some of these movies. It's like, they're so sanitized and they, they feel too clean and 
don't want to say neat because that's not the correct term, but they, there is like too much of a cleanliness to them that doesn't at all feel subversive yeah. in Midsommar or Hereditary. Hereditary is a little wackier in terms of how it's put together. Um, but this is just, this movie just isn't, doesn't work. It is a $35 million student art project. How would you compare this movie? And I guess in subject matter, they compare not in any way, but it's more just in uh, audacity. Would Does, you know, we haven't really talked about Babylon on the, the on the, show at all did you did it work obviously it if it's the worst movie you've ever seen then it didn't work at all but like does it not work in different ways than babylon kind of doesn't work is it well it's not it's not bodacious in any sort of way like, it's it not takes... fun it's not like zippy it's not clever it doesn't seem like there's very interesting things going on because at least babylon had some interesting like set pieces and um some and there's scenes. and there's a decent a, a small amount of subversion in Babylon that isn't present. I think here. he I think Damien Giselle thinks that there's a lot. Oh, yeah. every time he shows a breast, he's like, "Did you see it? Did you see that?" I don't know. I I thought Babylon was decent. Yeah, yeah I, I actually I don't. I um I did not hate it, even though I didn't really like it and I didn't think it really worked like super well. There, there's scenes that are just perfect in that. And, oh yeah, we we talked a little bit about this off the air. The 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 first time they tried to record with sound, I think, would have been on my list of like top ten moments of the year because it was just fucking incredible. Yeah, Damien Giselle is better than Ari Aster. Yeah, but like, yeah. by I don't think it's that close. No. Forever. No, no Ari Aster's of these late thirty something major director auteurs. Can I ask you a question? Is, then is the worst. Where does he go from here? Because he, he made, goes back to making what A twenty four fucking tells, tells him to, to make, yeah. so he becomes like, uh, like a Blumhouse like director, but for A twenty four. Yeah, that's what like I mean. we have this script. You get ninety minutes. He gave you thirty five million dollars. Fucking for that, so do now it. You go yeah, do I, our I, stuff kinda, I mean, I don't know when they started production on this, but I kind of get the feeling after Edgar's was like, "Peace, you're not you're not going to do my Northmen. Fuck off. I'm going to go somewhere else and do it." They're like, "Okay, let's keep." Astro under lock and give him the money, a shit ton of money to make this one project. The Eggers thing make. is more interesting. Is Ed a better Hope. comparison, yeah. What? Yeah. So the Eggers thing is a better comparison to Ari Aster than the, than the Babylon thing is, yeah. Eggers is better, too. Yeah, Eggers oh, is for sure, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I didn't even really like the Northman all that much, but it wasn't because of quality or, you know, or like um, vision. It was just because, you know, I was, it just is what it is. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a movie you respond to. But I it's, love The Lighthouse. You, you like, you like you Yeah, like, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's more that testosterone masculinity yeah, that we like, <laughs> that you did, just don't like. To this, like, Nordic but violence. All of his, like, I would say that all of what Eggers goes out to obtain, goes out to, to do, he succeeds at doing. Yes, hundred percent. Chazelle is, is similar. He doesn't really nail it as perfectly, but he he mostly succeeds. He doesn't put out bad movies. <clears throat> no, for sure. I I I just don't think Aster, especially whatever he was trying here, in terms of like presenting the vision of anxiety at its most heightened state, so that even like somebody that doesn't suffer from anxiety mm-hmm. would get it, um, doesn't work because it's just so boring. 
so consistently dull. Is he? I mean, I haven't really been following very closely. Is he taking any hits for this? Like in the in like the film world? I mean, it's getting solidly reviewed. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I, th- I think the the biggest critics of it um, have been basically people who say like it needed just war. it needed oversight. Mm. Uh, that person is not Tim Heidecker, who just lost his fucking mind with anybody who dislikes it. Oh, really? From Tim and Eric, yeah. Why? Because it's, it's. Did he have something to do with it? No, I, I think it's just in that similar. It is like a lot of its humor is based in that kind of Tim and Eric style, so that's probably why he mm. liked it. Mm. Like it has that. Abs- it's, it's not even really absurdist because it's just. I don't know. Like he he purposely <sighs> said, like Astor said, like I wanted to create poop and pee jokes kind of in the beginning to like set the tone for how nasty of a world it is. So like there's sex fuck blood band like written in the background and like cool multiple penises ejaculating. A lot of penises. And it's just like, cool, bro. Yeah. Where are we? Like, where are yeah. we now? Is like 35 years old. <laughs> stop making movies about yourself, everybody. Literally all the directors, stop making movies about yourself. Yeah, it's Unless good. you're Lars von Trier, and then feel free to make more movies about yourself. And that's yourself. what, like, as I'm, I'm getting, like, that's why I've kind of enjoyed, like, as the years are advancing. And, like, both, uh, Damien Chazelle just likes to make movies about, I'm talking about like, the, this age group of directors. Yeah, yeah. He likes to make movies just about Hollywood. Not yeah. really about himself, yeah, yeah. but whatever. That's why I like Edgar's, though, because Edgar's is just trying to tell, like, historical stories. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a move, and he likes to play with it. But he also, but he, again, he's got an aesthetic. Yeah. So like the lighthouse is, the lighthouse works because of its visual language. You know, what I mean, the Northman. You know, some of its language. Which really, for sure, absolutely. Yes, I mean, except for the ending, um, or except for you know the 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 first ending, when the goat is talking to her. When, I like, I like but then you see I the glove. Fuck that shit, man! I don't <laughs> need that <laughs> stuff. Get that out of here. I forgot. Me and you would disagree. Get on that this glove out of here. I thought um, the second ending with the witches is the one that doesn't really fit. Well, so the reason I'm I'm okay with that is because I just expected something like that to happen. Not like that, you know, they would float in the sky or anything like that, but just like there would be, if she was a witch, there would be some kind of like, Covenant. you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the aesthetics in The Northman are derivative of other movies, but like he's a kid, like ostensibly, and, and you know, he had just made The Lighthouse, so he gets a pass on like stealing from some great directors. Um, but yeah, the Ari Aster thing I find really... I'm, again, I can't... It should be... If A24 knew what the fuck was good for them, it would already be out on streaming. I'm assuming it'll be like two weeks from now. Yeah. As it tanks in the box office and like gets pulled everywhere. But it has to, because like, it, it just is it's exhausting. And especially, like, never put these two together again. And people never don't want to go see a three-hour movie in a theater. No. I didn't want to. I put my, it was torture. It was torture. Never put Phoenix and Astra together in a film again because it's two just fucking too much. super tryhards tryharding <laughs> all over the screen. They're going to pair up again for the next movie. No, for sure. They? God damn it. Does he have something announced? No, I, I, no. I doubt it. It's probably going to be Hereditary 2. <laughs> <laughs> it probably. Payment, payment takes, goes to, is a senior in high school. They have to wait. Um, I think he's, he's doing a TV show next. Of this, yeah, he's doing. Uh, well, he's all, and he's doing Drowned World. I guess is a goal. What's Drowned World? It's a G. It's a Ballard book. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I Which maybe you know what? Maybe that's what he needs to do. 
Is it like, some shit? Adapt some shit. Because like the guy's got a visual style that works. He's a functional director. Also, I don't know if he should be doing a ballard though, because ballard requires some interpretation of stuff, especially like well, at least with high rise. And he is not an interpreter. Yeah, because high rise. I mean, I've only read high rise, but that's like Ben Wheatley, who's a much more talented director, still struggled making high rise into something that functionally worked. I love Ben Wheatley. I do too. Uh, the trailer for Meg the Two, The Trench, came out today. Poor Ben, ben Wheatley. Wheatley. No. If you see it, he's definitely was like, oh, I'm going to do this movie. You're going to give me $200 million, and I'm going to make a fucking joke. <laughs> like, it's, it leans hard into, like, being dumb. I think it actually might succeed in, in that way. Is it a shark movie slash folk horror movie? It is not, unfortunately. Oh, but the first part of the trailer is a shark eating a T-Rex. <laughs> nice. Well, the Megalodon... Oh, no. Never mind. Wasn't Jason Statham? <laughs> are you, he's he's, he's got to be in both. Are you yeah. saying Megalodons were around at the same time? No, they you? weren't. That's, well, why, I, I that's why I stopped I talking. I don't know if you know this, but there's no such thing as Megalodons anymore, anyhow. Or that's, T-Rexes. Yeah. Or Jason Statham's. That's true. Extinct. <laughs> Ran out. I will watch it, though. I watched the first Bobby one. Jones. I'll watch the second <laughs> one. Um, I, don't, I don't even know where you go from here. I think... Well, you know what? You go from one auteur vision made <laughs> one with, student what made movie. with made with the highest budget that a studio's ever done uh-huh. to another auteur vision made with the highest highest budget that is still only half my credit card limit. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not ready. I'm not ready, Mario. Who directed the Outwaters? I don't know. Uh, but we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna Randy, talk about Robbie Banfitch. Robbie Banfitch. We're talking about the Outwaters in just a Uh, I mean, it's got a Wikipedia page. Um, in 2022, it got released uh, in February of this year. Um, it was what, what? What's the budget? Like fifteen thousand. Yeah. Um, recorded digitally using like all practical. It's a no. It was a Canon 70D, which is like a three hundred dollar. Yeah. Um, Four people go into the desert to shoot a music video. You got Robbie, 
Uh, he's the cinematographer. You have Michelle. She's the singer. Scott is Robbie's brother. And Angela is... Friend. A friend? Does she have something to do with the music business uh, she, or something? She was going to do, like, costumes, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's right. Um, and then they're camping in the desert, getting some good footage. Some Terrence Malickian footage out there on the hard pan. Because he mentions that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, none of the music is very good, but whatever. Yeah, the first song, I believe, is auto-tuned. Yeah, very much so. I was like, that's, a, that's a weird. Yeah. Um, or like, a, you know, it's like a nursery rhyme or something. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, when they're out there in the desert one night, they see a guy with an axe. And then... Which is a cool a kind of shadow, there. shadow yeah. silhouette shot. A naked guy with an axe. And then some, some lightning happens and some, some, some lights and... Thunder, animal noises. Yeah, and then like a, like a squeaking thing. And then they, they go out and there's the, the that they're camping next to is like vibrating and emanating a sound. And then they go to bed the next night and everyone's covered in blood. And there's a snake thing. And then the only, you know, only visual light we see is, is like the small circle from the camera. And like things are happening around them and people the are screaming light, and actually, people are that, moving. That small flashlight. Yeah. yeah. Which is the worst flashlight ever made. I know. But, uh, yeah, so I guess they go into some water like sometimes. And, and, you know, there's this kind of like scrim occasionally. And there's like this light. This kind of diagonal light that you see. Um, and it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, that someone's gone back in, back in time. Robbie's gone. He's, like, stuck, he's stuck in a loop. Yeah. Because um, he sees it in one part. He, well, there's constant. Every morning he has like this rebirth thing where he has to like rip placenta off of himself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he sees him, his, his group of friends, including himself, going into... The desert from the first time we see that. Yep. Looking to perspective. Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, there's not like much to tell beyond that plot wise, and that happens for a long time. Um, Way so too long. It's like 45 minutes of kind of like setup, and then maybe another like 35 of just this happening, like over and over and over and over and over again until the end. Where he disembowels himself well, and cuts off his penis. Yeah. Well, before that, he sees some sort of weird star vision. There's a big monster, too. You missed that. The snake monster? No, the no, big the, monster. No, it's a donkey monster. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I couldn't I tell what it was because you can't see. Well, you hear, fucking so you hear the burrows mewling. Yeah. And then you hear squishing sounds. And my presumption was the bureau, burrows became a evil dead I think you're rise. supposed to make a lot of assumptions in this movie. Yeah. It's not really telling you no. what is or isn't. So Part of me wanted to really dig this movie, like a lot. And part of me thought that the end, like the last half hour, was um, effective for what it was supposed to be doing. Um, but I had no idea what the fuck was going on, clearly. Um, I mean, I wasn't paying like super close attention to it. Um, trying to piece it together, but um, I've been on a jag of, like, watching, like, low-budget horror stuff. Like, I really got into Skinnamarink, like, dur- like during this. Just got super into it. Um, are we talking about Ennis Men today? I haven't seen any Okay, so Ennis Men's, like, another one of those 
it's like a movie kind of like this. It kind of plays like a 70s folk horror movie. It takes place on a Scottish island with just like a single woman having like visions of things. And like she is a botanist and she's like checking on a plant every day. Uh, that came out this year too. But then she starts like seeing visions and, and experiencing like you know flashbacks from the past. And there's a, there's a well, and, um, a tower and all this and all this crazy stuff. And you loved Into the Earth, going back to Ben. Loved Bailey, it. Right? So that's so. the thing. So uh, for, it's kind of, it's kind of, and I got really into The Empty Man, and Empty Man's like a little, it's higher budget, but it's kind of functions on the same level. Empty Man is who again? That's a, that's a big director. He was the guy that directed, I forget his name, but he's the guy that directed one of the episodes of, um, Curiosity. Curiosities. Curiosities, the, uh, the autopsy one. It's David, it's David Pryor, who's going to be doing something. He's, and talks to do something. I, I, I really like the Empty Man. So. Yeah, Empty Man was really good. Um, it is one of those ones we got too late. We didn't, you know, there was no, no one told us to watch it when it was new. Um, it was only like a year later when everyone was just kind of like, hey, Empty Man. And he did our favorite episode of Cabinet. Yeah. Curiosity. Oh, the 2020 movie. So everything kind of got lost. He did the autopsy episode of Cabinet's yeah, Curiosity. Yeah, so. yeah, that's good. Um, But the Outwater, I think, was, is, or the Outwaters is, is, I don't know the lesser of these movies, maybe if only because like the ending is so like confused thoughts, feelings. I didn't really like this movie, but I thought what he did technically was pretty incredible mm-hmm. on the budget with what he was using, and I'm really looking forward to what he can do with a budget. Yeah, or even like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, just something because because the sound the sound design of this was incredible too. Yeah, I it kind of creeped me out a lot. But, like, at the end, with that flash, I was, like, getting up to go look at my TV because I could not see what was going on. But I know it's supposed to because it's low budget. You're not supposed to see everything. But it was just, like, kind of tough. Yeah, there's something about the first person, like, perspective also that was kind of, like, pissing me off. I was like, I would love for just someone to even be two steps behind him. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm assuming most of those scenes were just, like, him out in the desert just, like, shoot stuff. And someone else may be, like... Move at a stick with a fleshy snake <laughs> yeah, attached to it. Yeah, that was obviously someone yeah, like yeah, a yeah. toy or something. Yeah, <laughs> those, the screams of those things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think for like what the budget of this was, um, it's ambitious, and I think it does it well from a like, especially from a production standpoint. Like we talked about this off air, but from the the things he probably had to do to capture that kind of magic hour lighting in the early film. Like, it's, it's legitimate shots that look good. Really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, the lighting on it's pitch perfect. And that must have been hard as hell to capture when he's, like, working on it. In the when desert, he can, too. In the it's desert, like... probably with no outside lighting, maybe a couple maybe a couple lights, maybe, yeah. that he rented. Um, but it, it suffers from the same issue that we talked about with... Uh, but I was afraid where, you know, it's it's it, it's something that the, the director writer themselves feel needs to be said and has something to say, but it doesn't have anything to say because there's no entry point in the story that makes it that. You can glean from it many different things. Yeah. The time loop stuff seems fairly obvious. But I was reading what people thought of it and like some people are going like, Oh, it's the director's like is homosexual and Maybe it's a part of that is what? like his own. He is the guy that writer director's gay and like yeah, maybe but and like, people took that. Oh. So like maybe he's repeating like a lot of those Christian prayers because of that, and that's why he severs his own penis. 
or maybe it's actually a maybe they're stuck in some weird pocket dimension that is a fight between heaven and hell and that we're seeing that there or maybe he was responsible for all the murders and he's been damned to hell and that's what he's seeing or maybe it's all hallucinations he's having but it's found footage so that wouldn't make any sense because Jesus. you're actually seeing it um yeah and it's, it's that when, when there's that many different interpretations and there's no no real entry point you realize there's not the film's not saying anything. that is too much yeah that is too much red <coughs> take yeah. it easy or no, or exactly. box or something. It was, it was Reddit. Yeah, it was all Reddit stuff. Take and I, I saw that. And I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm going to look at it as unsuccessful from a writing standpoint. Yeah, but extremely successful from a visual well, standpoint. I, th- I think it, I think there's really cool visuals mm-hmm. when he goes into the tent and the tent morphs in the pin light slowly morphs into his mother's was, house. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I cool. thought it was cool yeah. as shit. And mm-hmm. then like it turns again and it's the blood covered. Um, airplane window and he sees his uh, brother through it. I think mm-hmm. that stuff works and is cool and that, that's a real visual style there. Just there's no story that really coalesces into something that's an interesting narrative. Yeah, I, th- I mean, even from the very beginning, it leaned too much on the, like the found footage you can see, it leaned too much on the kind of Blair Witch of it all where they're just like, we're not even going to, the first part of this has nothing to do with anything. It's just a reason to get them into the wilderness. It was so boring. But it's, so oh long. my God, it's awful. And that's the same, I mean, and that was, I almost, me, I almost turned it off. I'm like, are they going to get to the woods at, at some point here? I'm gonna be honest it was, it was like almost an hour. I did some fast forwarding like, there at the beginning <laughs> where I'm just like, I, I don't care have. that these people are just like partying and like drinking stuff and singing songs and talking mm-hmm. about music. Actually, was, I never fast forwarded. Oh, I didn't either, idea. but I wish I probably I wanted to. <laughs> I never did. I was starting to fall asleep. That's why I'm like, get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah, it's, it's just, time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think the performances in it are actually fairly solid for yeah. everybody. Yeah, for what, I mean, when, for what they're doing. Um, she's screaming like, I want my mommy. I want my mommy. That, that stuff's... I'm, I'm like really looking forward to see this guy's next movie. Yeah. Um, I just... This one's this one didn't do it for me, but I'm, ready to I'm see excited. The movie he makes when like this art something takes off and they give him a budget. But... He has some production oversight. I'm assuming that like the next movie he gets to make is this is a screen box movie. Yeah. They they picked it up. <coughs> Bloody was, disgusting. I think was the major financer. Yeah, you go. I'm of, assuming they and I think he probably self financed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and then I think Screenbox or Shutter or one of those places picks him up to do like an original and gives him like you know some money or something. A couple hundred grand. Piggyback off of that and maybe get a Blumhouse film or something like that. But I mean, just to go back to what you were saying, Mario, the reason he you know, cut his penis off is because he knew a good way to cut his penis off. Like, and to, he knew, the reason he disemboweled himself is because he knew, like, a good way to shoot that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so he's like, you know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to cut my penis off and disembowel myself. With this animal tooth. Because it'll look cool. And because I know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It, look good. it visually is cool. Yeah. <coughs> or it was. I mean, the penis looks a little goofy. Like, <laughs> like a weird, jagged, meaty end to it. But the the front half of it looks good. Some kielbasa they got in the store. Yeah, I think he, I think Eli Roth showed up on set one day and lent him the Hostel Two penis. Yeah, and he's like, use this. It's Hostel Two penis look pretty good though. Well, the Hostel Two penis though came off too easy. Oh, for sure. She was just like, give me that, and she just kind of like tugged <laughs> on it lightly, and it just like ripped off. I, but this penis looked better than the Terrifier Two penis, which just looked oh, like see, a I'm never gonna see that movie. Let's see it. But yeah, yeah Screenbox has a shit ton of money now though too. They made like fifteen million dollars off a of Terrifier two. There you go. And that movie was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They're just gonna use it to make Terrifier three. 
I don't think Damien Leone. Four and a half hours of Terrifier. Ah, that dude could still make that movie for like 400,000 bucks. (laughs) But that guy knows how to stretch a dollar. So give him credit for that. Good. No, no, that's the thing. I I do. It's a good. It's like that project you don't want to see that you wish like. Was stayed in film festivals. Sure. You know, it's it's like the, the, the following thing, right? Like like following like that. That's not really saying anything. Memento. Uh, the the Christopher Nolan film, but mm-hmm. Colin isn't saying anything. But it was like that movie. I think it was then released really afterwards after he yeah. got big. It needed uh, to get from, made. <coughs> him so, as a as a yeah. as a craftsman. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think I think this is a good craftsman work to show like what I can do. It's just the we don't need to see it. Like yeah. people who are producers can see it and then give him money. Yeah. and tell him to make something. Good. Yeah, it's a great reel for you know your future. Yeah, it's a, it's a good sizzle reel. Yeah, just like. There's no penis severing in Storm. I'm sorry to say. Hmm. In Storm, that's the script. I oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Bill, there's still time. There's a lot of no, saws. No, I've cut out most of the saws. Oh. Even the circular ones? Didn't someone die of like circular saw? Yeah, I changed in the air. Yeah, I got rid of it because it's so it's too unrealistic. Yeah, you had said that when you were telling me about it. So I, had, we, I thought it didn't matter. Just do it anyway. Yeah, it bounces back and then nicks her in the oh, rope. Cool. So still circular saw death, but just different. There are no there are intestines still in it, so there's that. That's good. You should have intestines. There's no intestines in this next movie, but there are guts. Happens in this next movie takes guts to pull it off. Michael Malley style. Yeah. <laughs> Aggro crag of a movie. <laughs> um, it is how to blow up a pipeline. Everyone, if this works, it'll be step one making our own improvised explosive. Michael, what do you think the odds are we blow ourselves up? I don't really care. We have to show how vulnerable the oil industry is. Try to stop the pipeline from being built. Three, two, one. We may start working. Um, how many people is this? One, two, three, four, six, seven, five, eight. six, seven, eight. Joanna's not. One Joanna's of the is the FBI agent. Okay. Um, eight. She has a first name. Millennials. Yeah, yeah she's he, she says it when he goes. She gets the money from her. And everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Generation Y folks. Uh, important. Well, I guess we'll talk about that later. when We talk about the movie. Um, decide. Gen, Gen Z. Gen Z. Right. There's we're millennials or Gen Y. Yeah. They decide to go into the Texas desert and they are going to blow up a uh, oil pipeline because all of them have various grievances against. Well, the big corporations that have either poisoned them or tried to steal their land or, um, you know, inspired the people they love to want to do something nuts because they were poisoned or because their land was stolen or because, you know, any other reasons. I'm not sure, 100% sure why Sean is there. Um, I guess just because he feels like he needs to do something. He's kind of just the climate change activist. Well, he's the guy who brought them all together. He kind of is, but I also feel like he's the most easily. I feel like he's a really complicated character, and I think why that's why I I 
one of the reasons I think I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie a lot, but I also like respected the shit out of it because even though some of the characterizations are pretty easy, like the Dwayne characterizations, like this is my land, you can't have it, so I'm going to blow up a pipeline, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like it's just as easy as that. It's like no, this is this is mine, and there's nails here, so you can't drive on the road. But I guess you could drive over there, but you can't drive over this path. So I mean, it does have a shotgun. Get out of here. For oh, for sure. But it's really like <laughs> again, it's this is my land. You can't have it. Um, Sean, Sean seems to be responding to other people's passion and kind of like, and and you know he gets you know red pilled or something that night when he gets his new Apple computer. He spends it on Twitter just being like. Yeah, the world is hot. Is that what red pill super means? Super hot. I thought red pill exclusively well, meant you became misogynistic. No, it's kind of just one of those. It's I've heard it being used as just like one of those like things. Opening it, your eyes, sort ex, of. Thing. You know. Um, oh, I've radicalized. I've always thought red pill meant was exclusively tied to misogynistic. No, it's it, now it's just kind of it's it's that oh it's you can see the the world for what it really is. I thought it was just like the Matrix, where now you can see the Matrix. Yeah, but I thought it was co-opted by misogyny. Well, well, I'm sure it was everything by the, uh, incels. It was co-opted by the right. As a like term for saying like I don't I see what's really happening now because I watch Newsmax, <laughs> so I know what's going. As long on. as you have two my pillows, I know, <laughs> I know what Robert Kennedy Jr.'s really saying, and he's the man for the job in 2024. Mike Lindell's our savior. I don't even think he. I think Newsmax has kind of ditched that guy too. Yeah, he, no, he has his own thing. Now. I think he just talks to himself. His house. It's not even a podcast. It's just, it's just it's, voyeurs with a camera outside the window. Hill and Rudy Giuliani talking back it. and forth to each other. Look at, him. Giuliani's Look at him go. Anyhow, we're off um, the rails. The we're fine. We're <laughs> fine. Um, and they go to Texas, and they want to blow up a pipeline. And spoiler alert, they do blow up a pipeline. Um, you've got Zochi, played by Ariella Barrer. Um, she's super pissed off because her mother died of, um, I'm assuming leukemia, just like no, she died of heat exhaustion. Heat exhaustion, yeah. Oh, she wasn't sick from, from, from the thing. Change, oh, yeah. she. Oh, she was heat exhaustion from climate change. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that was a stre- the stre- one of the stretchier ones. But. Just give her. She literally lives on next to a power like a chemical. Well, plant. someone already has that one. Cool. Yeah, that doesn't. That's that's less interesting. Theo is one. That's less, less. No, but I thought like they both. I thought she had it, and then Theo had it too, because they were kind of. They the the doctor made it say, and I guess this is like one of those script things that I wish they would have kind of looked at. The doctor, when she's talking to Theo, was like, Thank you. "Oh, this happens in clusters when people live around like chemical plants." It's like, well, that's a cluster. If you just make her have it, and then. Theo now has it. Like, that's a cluster. We it's possible she's also was sick and, like, maybe it's the possible. heat wave. Did, was did, the nail? Did anyone, did you, you didn't read the book, right? No. Okay. The book's not about that. But I, what's it based on? I didn't, did you read the book? No, but the book, I think, is just about um, social activism in general. Oh, so it's like a, it's a nonfiction book about social activism that they adapted for this. Yeah. Oh, into, into, oh. into a novel. Um Michael lives on a forest. Uh, Good luck lives on a um, a reservation, um, and is being like pushed out by like non uh, Native Americans. Um, 
Did a fight with a guy from South Carolina. But nice jacket. It was. was really nice give, it, give it to me. It was good. Um, I mean, we can go. I don't need, necessarily need to go through anybody, everybody. Um, I will just point out that Rowan and Logan um, are the worst, and they are played by Christine Froseth and Lucas Gage, and I, when the two marshals were shooting at him, I really hoped that they uh, ended his life. Because <laughs> fuck that guy. He's, um, he's presented Kaiser at the work. He's, he's supposed the, to be, but as an, he's actually a pretty good actor. Well, I, I think it's interesting like when they do the flashbacks, which I want to talk about and how you feel about those. Um, he seems like a more normal guy who's like into like passionate about, you know, activism and stuff like that. But like when he gets to Texas, he turns out to just be a fucking douchebag. Douche, yeah. Well, he's he's white. He's a white collar activist. That's the entire yeah. idea is supposed to get about him. Is yeah. He is a he is a Rich giant druggy sure. douchebag. Yeah. But it's the the dichotomy between like his character characterization when he's not in Texas. His characterization in Texas, I thought, was a little again just one of those things that I think they would have been cleaned up if they had like more experienced screenwriters or something. But maybe it doesn't even matter because ultimately, I think this movie really works. Um, I thought it was. Um, I mean, I think the I think the score is fairly obvious, but I think I think it's good. I think it's effective. I think well, maybe that's like the it's best a way. Heavy synth score. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of the best ways to like put this is that it's the movie is effective. I, I would say the score is maybe the weakest part for me, but I really like this movie overall. Yeah, I think the score was just a little heavy for me. For and it's what it needed to be. It's because this is we're we're bookending this with two white knuckle rides. This movie stressed me out. Like there's some really good tension building scenes when they're. Making bombs, or they're setting them out. They're got things. I don't know. It's just like it was. I don't know. Which ultimately, which ultimately oh, ends with nothing. Everything going off as planned. Well, everything Kinda. goes off. As, it does, but two things happen. One is that like it does. There's a secondary plan that we didn't know about. So right. Well, I mean, but that was all part of like the. It was part of like the major plan is that she kind of wanted to martyr herself so she can, or both of them, so they can kind of become. Like folk heroes and people would take up the mantle, which they did. They used to destroy like private property. Later, people were like, you know, blowing up boats or whatever. Yeah. Um, Do you see the post credits scene? Was there a post credits scene? Yeah. Well, it's like as the credits are happening. Yeah. I mean, I see. The, I saw the scene where it's all the shots of them, like there's, as showing them the actors. It's showing their message spread because then there's like new people going to blow up a rich guy's boat. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not post credit. Yeah. That's during the. It's like inner credit. Mid credit. Um, well, I think the other <coughs> thing that was really interesting, and I don't, I don't, and this is why I think the movie is better than. Um, it probably should be, is. There's all these beats at the end where. Nothing ha- like so they blow the thing up, and then nothing happens. And they have this big plan. They're going to get rid of their fingerprints, so they blow up their hat, like the house, and where they, you know, stage the thing. But ultimately, um, you know, that marshal that's sitting next to Dwayne, who's like, you know, they just told me to sit still because the feds already got him. They know who they are because Rowan was an informant. No one seems overly concerned about what's happening. Um, they don't necessarily know that they accomplished something, but like. The, the those couple of beats there and the looks on their faces and again the score is very obvious so it stops doing stuff like right at that moment to kind of let the let the, the film breathe a little yeah. bit they've done something and it was big and it cost them a lot but it 
didn't like change anything. And you wonder if they know it, but they can't admit it to themselves, or if you know. What I mean, I think it's one of the things that they. That it's interesting too, is they kind of talk about like, oh, what's going to happen here? What are we going to yeah. be like? Mm-hmm. What are they going to call us? They'll call you terrorists, and then they'll kind of forget about you. Like the system will just fix the pipeline, and then they'll just keep pumping oil. You know what I mean? Um, and I thought there was a couple of beats that suggested that like they may have been aware of that. Um, or if they weren't aware of that, that's still an interesting film where we're aware that maybe nothing much was accomplished here. Even though it seemed like something major was accomplished. Um, I think it's what makes it a more interesting movie than just kind of like, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. It was like a, a heist <coughs> movie almost. Yeah. So. I, don't know. I, I really enjoyed the beats of this movie. I like the flashbacks. I like how they built... You got to know each character as they were going, like it was, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like too much. It was just like bits here, there, yeah. there, and then keep going. Because if it was just them building bombs, the whole movie that could have been boring. It was nice. No, my nice only scene. problem with the flashback was that some of them were more meaningful and interesting than other ones. And I was agree. Like, I was yeah. like, I, I would have liked for you had to have made these level, um, because some of them just didn't seem like they were in it for the right reasons, or their their reasons just were too easy. Like I think Michael's reasons, he didn't, you know, the give me your jacket thing was kind of bull. They could have given him anything better to do, but I thought his character was really interesting. Yeah, because we get the idea. I mean, that, like the Forrest Goodluck performance in this is like the thing that I think really drives it in for me. I yeah. think he's fucking tremendous as that mm-hmm. character. Who's supposed to be? I mean, I got the idea. He's supposed to be mildly autistic. There's something definitely mentally not fully there for him. Maybe, but also like. Like super depressed in ways that like everyone else kind of wasn't. He was. Oh well, yeah, when they say like, "What's the chances of us blowing he, he themselves the, up?" I don't. The one who built the bomb. I'm just, yeah, okay. yeah. Just... Where he says like, "I don't really care." <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone else, everyone else was like activated, where he just got and he got activated to build those bombs and make those those videos, but he wasn't like passionate about it. He's like, "I'm just doing this." Like this is what I'm. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, there's now. just like so much anger. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, he, yeah, it's I all think driven he was by anger the whole time. Like everything about him is just so fully motivated by just rage. Yeah. Um, no, I, I found it. I, I find it an interesting film, um, in the sense. I mean, you got to look at it and not really think of it as something that works when you give it thought, no matter how like kind of exact it tries to be. Um, like, there's, there's too many things that kind of fall apart under careful scrutiny. Uh, mm. But I did like how unapologetically kind of sincere it was with, like, stating that what they're doing is not wrong. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, the entire idea of sabotaging and destroying this pipeline is never seen as going too far. And the times where it could possibly go too far, you know, are the, the characters take the action to ensure they don't go too far, like with the two mark, the two um, pipeline employees uh-huh. or marshals or whatever they are. Um, I guess they're just employees who I didn't realize they'd, I guess they'd be, be armed. They'd be funny. armed for wildlife. Whatever, it's Texas. Wildlife or Mexicans. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's, it's a really solidly concise, tight film. Mm-hmm. Um, from just how, 
you know, it does flow and everything works. I think those flashbacks, even though I agree with you that some of the flashbacks, I, I really don't think the Rowan um, and Logan flashback works. I, I think those characters kind of make the film stall out a bit. Mm. Like, I, I kind of wish they weren't there. I kind of wish we don't have the FBI subplot with it. I think that's a little I'm always pro-leaving the FBI out of everything. <laughs> Because I think it's just too much. I think, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's easy to say, like, these two people, you know, or maybe even have a third person stay back with them. Three people kind of were able to successfully accomplish yeah. this bombing. Well, I um, just think, I think the informant stuff, too, like, I don't know. They've got all this weight. They've got almost more weight on them than everybody else because, like, they're actively trying to do this and hide the fact that they're, like, telling the FBI about it. So, like, so... Maybe, this, like... They stop and have sex. Yeah, and maybe like don't like, layer. Yeah, don't layer on like their hedonistic aspects. Like yeah. we're reduced to them like being druggies, like consuming, uh, like maybe not druggies, but they're definitely doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. So like our intro point is to assume they're driven hedonists. Like that everything we see with them is like over consuming alcohol, having sex, like, a like typical, the rush, the rush of everything, and it's like that Pacific just feels. Northwest. Yeah, eco activists <clears throat> just eating voodoo donuts while they blow up a pipeline. <laughs> um, all that felt too easy in a film where the other things that were easy, such as you know, like you said with Dwayne, like that character just kind of needs to be there because you need somebody from the area. And so I think the easiest way to do that is to have somebody who knew the land, this land was taken sure. from them. That's fine. Everyone else has at least some reason to be there. Um, you know, even if you look at Sean as just kind of like the purely idealistic activist, the Rowan and Logan character just don't. Like, they're also supposed to be people destroying government property, even though, like, 15 years for putting sand in a uh, construction vehicle, that's not that's not how that works. Yeah, that seemed weird. Um, like, the they're just kind of added in to add that extra layer of like possible tension that maybe they'll undo it, but it turns out, no, it's all part of that plan. And I just think that doesn't need to be there. Um, it's, it's there to create that like secondary tension. And I think if we just get out of the movie, um, after the explosions and after like the two kind of, you know, give up, um, and turn themselves in, I think it works much more tightly. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that is the one part of the film where I was like, ah, why are we, why, why is this here? I mean, I, I don't know if they get to that part without that, though. I mean, I look at this as like a heist movie, and there, you have to have a lot of characters doing a lot of different things, making you think a lot of different things. And that's those characters, maybe they didn't add a lot, but they needed, they were fulcrums in the machine that need to get, someone had to turn the, the lever, someone had to be there, someone, I know the FBI is a weird subplot, but it actually makes sense at the end. Like, I know oh. it all ties everything up into a nice little box, but it's just like, it all kind of fits and works. I, I just like the way the puzzle all works. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think it solves itself logically. Um, it just maybe doesn't feel as concise. And I'm pro, I'm very be. pro, and I, I mean, I assume that she was an informant, and I'm pro the idea that she, like, <laughs> that there was an informant. I think that's really interesting. I just don't need to, I don't, uh, I think, and out, like comparing it to the Outwaters is like a, is the wrong <laughs> type of thing to do, but I think a less Renfield. Let's compare it to Renfield. <laughs> well, if Bo is afraid is doing, you know, that like paranoid, like mommy's boy, then no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
I just think a, a different kind of movie like eschews the FBI and just lets you know that she's informing and then has that be like the kind of seed of her guilt and conflict. And maybe instead of them fucking like, you know, next to a pipeline valve, they can like, I don't know, talk about it or like, you know, or there could be some kind of dialogue in their like the moments where the group is all together where it suggests that maybe she's, She's feeling one thing, and she's but she's got to do another, but she's not 100% sure. But instead, they're just like these two cliches of yeah. Pacific Northwest Seattle, sure. yeah. like eco-terrorists, and you're just like, those guys suck. Like, you know, whatever they're doing up there is the worst. Yeah, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's kind of my yeah. main issue with it, is like they just didn't need to be first, like their first character introduction is just drugs, and then they're the ones that get too drunk. And then they're the ones who almost blow it by fucking for too long and getting. How long unaware. do we have? I think thirty-eight minutes. We're gonna well, use all of it to, to fuck in the desert. To give me to start giving you a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sorry. No, I, how I, much? How, yeah. how great blowjobs are? I think I'd be like, this is maybe. A, this is a, maybe yeah. not the right time. Let's just do it now, and then um, we will just then leave, and then nobody will come, and then nobody will get shot, and then. Nobody will come. Nobody, nobody will come. <laughs> and that's oh, how it's like. Bo sad. is afraid because yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think that's like kind of my main issue. Is like they added so many of these layers to make that those characters did, to did, make the audience didn't need think, that. I, to make those. I, I think the characters need to be there, but yeah, some of their traits didn't. And it's add, there. It's add. there to make those characters make you more likely to think that those characters are going to be the ones to turn. And fuck everything up in the end, and make sure everyone falls down. That's um, sort of what I was thinking. In the movie, so I guess it it worked for me in that. But yeah, worked. I think it was stupid. No, I think it's the thing. It's it's one of those. I was nervous that they were gonna fuck absolutely. it all up. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that you know, making making lists. I don't know how much like if this movie would show up on anything. Um, and I've only started making my list be- or thinking about lists because like. Um, I really like, like NS Men is I, was like one of my favorite movies. I have ranked all the 18 movies I've seen this year. There you so. go. That does not surprise me. Same. It's a very Mario thing to do. Um, but I've only seen like four movies. So, um, But I think one of the really interesting things is in the vein of like the heist type thing is that the thing that they're trying to get or that they're working against is like it's, it could be a safe, it could be a vault, it could be, you know, whatever. In this, it's like the pipe. And so when it's they're black gold, yeah, it's black gold. Um, this is actually the sisters brothers too. Um, when they're trying to strap that barrel to the pipe, I was like, "This is good cinema." Yeah, yeah. Like this, the tension this works. Yeah. Like the dichotomy between like Sean sitting on the thing, like ratcheting it up, and then like all just kind of like standing back. It's like perfectly framed, and so. Like, one side it's them watching, and then the other side it's just, like, Sean on this fucking huge pipe. And the pipe with this barrel attached to it almost becomes, like... I don't want to say it becomes, like, a character, but it's its own entity that exists within this movie that's part of, like, this little... This group, almost. Um, I do appreciate the fact that the super pro-eco-terrorism film had a sequence... Where they just blow up a fake pipeline for their movie, though. Kinda. Maybe it was done in miniature. Maybe no, no chance. No, that was definitely 
That's definitely a full scale explosion. <laughs> Have either of you guys seen this guy's first Cam? movie? Yeah, I saw Cam. I, I had, I've never even heard of it, but I'm interested now after seeing this movie. It's on Netflix. He did a, it's like a found footage horror film about like a, um, a cam oh, girl. Yeah, cam girl. Basically, I watched it. Oh yeah, I was pretty drunk it. once. But it, it is, it's his debut, and it's like got really good reviews. But mm-hmm. I, and after seeing what he did with this movie, I'm kind of interested to try to check that one out. Yeah, this is another one of those directors where, like, I think his next movie will be really interesting because I think this is. I think this one's super <laughs> well made. Um, yeah, this and, this came out of kind of. I heard good things about it, but I did not expect it to be as good as it was. It was very like. Um, I don't know, they talk about it a lot, and I, we mentioned sometimes in the show about like how they don't make them like this anymore. Um, I don't think they've ever made them like this. Well, that, but this feels very, like, 90s, like, action movie, like, where it's, it's it does this, it does this, it does this, it doesn't try to do anything too weird, it's hitting all these beats, the FBI agent being in there is very 90s, because they're always going to throw an FBI agent in yeah. there. I'm surprised more people, I mean, if this was a real 90s movie, then 50 people would have gotten shot at some point. From a plane or a helicopter or something. Um, I don't know about like, I don't know if the drone needs to yeah, be there. If it doesn't have like a direct relationship to anything that's happening, um, you know. But you know, it's there. Yeah. Whatever. I see Mario did it, but I didn't want to step on your toes. But did you read Armand White's review <laughs> of this? Was it awesome? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Like, did he uh, love it? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the review is how to spot a manifesto. Movie. I was reading it earlier today. Hollywood's thought, self-destructive yeah. tactic in which a diversity of tactics justifies terrorism. It's he calls it sociopathic. It's uh, one filmmaking. of the most absurd reviews he's done in a while. <laughs> I fucking love Armand White. That guy is crazy. Did you see? I, I thought you would have read this already. That's why I, I no, was I, pulling well, up. I've been kind of. Some reviewers are still willing to accept the dramatization of Malm, the author of the books. Barbarity as a variant of speculative fiction, all to support, all to show their support of climate change mania. I mean, I support like you know, kids going into Texas and blowing up pipelines. Like, who wouldn't? Just if you you know, you do what you got to do. Not, not gonna have any. My favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite thing about Armand White is okay, and I'll, I want to bring this up, and you guys. All the talking. actors have that desperate proto. Antifa look yeah. of politically brainwashed. <laughs> oh man, he loves Antifa so much. Yeah, he does. Um, he went on this jag on Twitter for a week, where he <laughs> he um, was beating up on this musician. What's her name? Oh, I'm gonna get it. Hold on, I'm gonna get it. He was just beating. Uh, where is it? Oh my, oh my god! This sociopathic filmmaking is the opposite of blank blanks. Blank, blank, blank. The rare movie to satirize progressive zealots. Zealots? Zealots, yeah, sorry. What is it? The sociopathic filmmaking is the opposite of Eli Roth's The Green Inferno. Oh, yeah, I did see that line. <laughs> yes, I saw that. It was on his Twitter account, and I was like, that's not about anything. <laughs> the Green Inferno is about nothing. <laughs> Make a cannibal movie. It's not satirizing. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're like West. They're like left wingers in that, but it's just like a way to get those people to, to a get jungle to, to get, get eaten. eaten. Yeah. No, he was beating up on this this singer songwriter Iris Dement, who I've never even fucking heard of. But he just goes on and on and on and on for like a whole week about how she's no good and like Iris Dement doesn't know like whatever. And like Iris Dement used to do this. It's like what is happening? God. 
So weird. Faith is missing in Dement's song. She replaced it with political pity and the secular longing to join a mass movement of virtue signaling. She manipulated scripture for a worldly purpose and offense similar to martyrizing miscreant George Floyd like MLK. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Take that, civilization. Fucking libtards. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, right. <laughs> maybe he's right. So this director's next movie is going to be Faces of Death, though, which is Oh, yeah, I heard that. Oh, right, he is doing that, huh? Yeah. It's That's going to be... I, it's, it's going to be... It's, he's definitely going to make that political. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be interesting to see made into. But I think this is really interesting. I mean, I don't... I mean, maybe I don't... I find it interesting because I don't get the impression that he was... He was definitely supportive of the idea of blowing up the pipeline. He paints very human pictures of these kids. Like, mm-hmm. they're not... I don't think he's yeah, saying they're uniformly correct... No, because there's it's, no it's saying, flaws. Like, is, no, he wasn't in their thinking. Yeah. Um, it's just that like, he's definitely saying like, are they going like, like are they right with this? Like, is it actually going to hurt? Just, just the trying to ask the question. Yeah. Well, I think and it just now we're all talking about Armand White. He's always beating up on everybody else for making everything about politics, and meanwhile, he's making everything about politics. My enjoyment of this movie had almost nothing to do with the fact that I agreed with their politics. I was just 100%. like, it's a fun movie. Yeah, like I liked it from the pure standpoint, the, the, of it being cr- the craft of this movie, was and for its good luck performance. Like, yeah, I just for really sure. Want to keep mentioning that that dude is gonna. There's gonna be a hard bar to pass. I for. Absolutely, I think I there's wish... some good performances from a lot of the actors in this movie. But oh, I just for yeah, yeah I fine. agree. But good I, thought luck they, was just... I thought they did again. I, I think I thought they, everyone did really well with the material that they were given. Mm-hmm. I think he just made he had. His stakes seemed he made his stakes seem different than everybody yes, else's like, stakes. Yeah, he did not seem like he belonged with the crew. No, and that's the thing. So I think um what's her name? Andrea Breyer or Barr. Who's like the co writer of this. Right. I thought she was really good too. I thought she was fantastic. I just thought her stakes in the movie were not up to the level of some of the other people's that's fair. stakes. It was just kind of like my mom died, my best friend is sick, I gotta blow up a pipeline. And it just and she gets to it like real easy, like no, we need real action, like destruction stuff. How do I blow up a pipeline? So yeah, it's like, and that I mean, and that's how people get radicalized, right? That's like the thing that happens. And I guess I'm not looking for this to be like real to life. Well, it was that, but, and then there's the other guy going around saying, "Hey, I saw that you were upset about something. Let's <laughs> welcome to my van. Let's do you want to do you want to blow up a pipeline? <laughs> yes." Yeah. Which yeah, was kind of the silliest part of the movie, but I kind of enjoyed it. It was like him making his team by going around the country, finding all these people that maybe, maybe they can be radicalized. He's well, the Ben Affleck. Exactly. He was like Batman just, walking around. And there. I think that, like, they, I think they thought this, this like, sequence or this, this uh, conversation was very profound when they're, like, looking at the maps and, you know, and Dwayne is kind of showing them where everything is. And she's like, do you guys want a beer? And she's like, shots like, oh, water for me. And she's like, we're out of water. And he's like... I guess like a beer. Like they use water to make beer, guys. Like just you know, come on. Well, the idea is the water's been poisoned by. I know, gas for sure. Just but if you can get beer, you can get bottled water. But I guess they're out of the bottled water. Whatever. That wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't be as fun. But it just seemed like one of those things where when they wrote it, they're like, "Yeah, take this." Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe just don't buy that beer. Buy. Some more bottled water. But like, you, I don't know. You don't know how satisfying it is to write those lines. Oh, I, I can imagine. 
I had somebody totally working imagine. had somebody working on their first screenplay final like full I screenplay. I kind of like it. I, is sad. Like there's some lines. Where I'm like, oh, like that's so satisfying. Like, well, Maybe chuckles. Uh, welcome uh, to the, the the full. You're getting it now, Andy. You're like in it in fucking deep. <laughs> we're like this is we're in our uh, approaching one and a half hours of this. That's not bad. And now yeah. I'm nitpicking like these very specific lines, being like, do better, just do better. And that's one of the things that I talk about all the time on these. You have a great idea and you've got talent. Just give it, just give it like a little more attention. Give these scripts and and and, and the script in this one in some movies just the production a little more attention. These things can be kind of like close to perfect. <coughs> so my 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 pushback on that, like the water line. Yeah, of course. Like we're looking yeah, at yeah, like yeah. that's easy, whatever. But I think like for people that have less of a really critical eye about it, or people who just aren't seeing. All the shit that we see aren't seeing the Steve McQueen written movies that, you know, take a significant amount of time. Don't know where he finds it to like refine everything in his script. You know, th- that's kind of like a good line, right? Like that's sure. A, it's a it's a it's a and it works in the yeah. context of the film. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's why, like, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it too. I just, I this was, movie was really good. You're trying to find bad things about it. But that's my. But this is my. This is my whole jam. Is that like I? Well, thought no, this movie was really good, and I just kind of wanted some of these little clunky things. You to listen kind to of enough be, of our episodes to know we just small. No, I know. Big, big movies we love. I just want. But I, I'm here to poke you guys back. Whatever. Yeah, I thought this movie was really, really good, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. But there's like these clunky things that I wish that in like that they just tightened up. Yeah. Because then I wouldn't have to feel anything but like awesome, like. Kind of like Hell or High Water, almost. This functions a lot like Hell or High Water, where they've got like a, a system, not necessarily the characters in the movie, but the film itself has a system that it's working on, and it hits all those beats in a very dramatic, suspenseful fashion, and then intersperses those beats with these other kind of Jeff Bridges beats, which leads to a very satisfying conclusion where he gets away with it, Ben Foster dies... Which is good because then he won't have to say any more lines about Comanches. <laughs> you know where I am? I'm the number Comanche. And it's like, oh, call God. me a Comanche. Ben Foster, just. Stop. <laughs> He's great. For some reason, that line reading is just you like. You know, I'm married Jesus. to Donna from that 70s show. <laughs> From, a, from a, a system like a heist movie standpoint, both of these movies function kind of the same way. It's just, I think, Hell or High Water's interstitial moments of emotion and exposition land better and cleaner than, than this movie does. Yeah. And I think there's... But it's on the table for this movie if they just... You know, tightened up some well, of those. So, some of those but some of the things I, I think I maybe like, like more about this than I'd like if, like a Soderbergh, had had made this or whatnot. Oh is, God! Is the fact that, um, and like obviously Meryl Streep isn't in it. A David McKenzie or whatnot. Um, but Soderberg David McKenzie wouldn't necessarily. But I'm saying like something like those other kind of heist movies where there's so much dialogue and so much mm. language in it. Yeah. And this doesn't this have that as much. Yeah, I like this. But, like this movie lets like it's. Tension scenes sit, which I, I enjoyed. But I will push back, not because I'm I want to be an asshole, but just like if but not fully because. But, but, if, but if you're gonna do less dialogue, I want it to be the right dialogue. You know what I mean? Okay. Steven Soderbergh has the like the benefit, I guess, of like letting his characters just vomit on screen of like whatever they're thinking. If you're gonna do like 
those like so that's the thing. The Michael character I think is really good because after that's a nice jacket. Everything he says is loaded with power, and then he doesn't really say all. He doesn't say anything. When he talks, it's important. It's, it's loaded. Yeah. And I just kind of wish that everything that everybody said was not like loaded with drama or with pathos, but with meaning. Besides, like Dwayne, and maybe it's because Dwayne's character doesn't like think in these terms. But like, this is my land. Get off my land. It's been in my family for a hundred years, so they can't take it. Like. You could do better. Like, just do better. Just make it not so obvious. Because this guy's saying really great non-obvious things, and this character can also. Yeah, and I think, well, I think Dwayne's character, like, comes, I think it's it's an easy setup for it, but I think, like, it comes around with how he's handling the things after that setup. I think, like, that character kind of comes into his own, where he's like, we don't, we know he's a, he's, he's fully on board. But he's fully on board for a very different reason. I, I, and I like that character for some reason. I like the character too okay. because I think... Especially the way like Jake Berry plays like just the fucking terrified in the bar. Oh I yeah, he oh, just yeah, gets great. fucking trash. But that's the thing. But I <laughs> Which think, I would... The thing I find that. really interesting is that I'm assuming... But again, I wouldn't. So this I'd, be is, so, I'd be so afraid of like turning myself... I'd be like, my nerves. I blew up the pipeline. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> okay, you said you don't have anxiety. I do. I need... I need no, that. I do have anxiety. Oh, okay. I would... But I would... That's why I wouldn't get drunk because I wouldn't want to say I blew up the pipeline. Super drunk, yeah. No, no but like, there's the thing. Like, so there's they leave hints about his character without having to say much. I think he's pretty clearly ex-military, um, you know, just based on his bag and kind of how he carries himself. Um, he knows how to read these maps. He's like a guy of the land. He's like been around. He's well, he's, it's his backyard. He's seen yeah. some stuff, but he knows. He knows. But how he also to knows it. like he knows, it this won't. he knows the physics of like how this is gonna work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. He's the one that knows like where to blow it up. Yeah, to yeah, not yeah, cause yeah, you yeah. He's still. deeper than this is mine. He's probably like a munitions don't, expert no, no, don't in come the military here. or something. And there's nails. Yeah. Don't drive over these nails, please. Yeah. Why am I uh, forgetting the nail? Like he keeps. I guess I missed the nails. You or heard, that's when they it's, introduce his original flashback. Is like he's pounding nails. He's creating like the spike strip. Right. But, like, okay. it's just across yeah. the road, and the woman, like, drives off the road. What the he, fuck are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, just drive over there. He's yes. got a shotgun. But is he really going to shoot somebody in he's the gonna face? He's going to shoot it in the air. He <laughs> <laughs> might blow out a tire. They, like, break in tires in this movie. I guess you never yeah. know. But they were, this, movie, this movie does hate tires. tires. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It does not like tires. They should make a sequel with rubber. Rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Like the tire from rubber gets on their side. How to blow up a rubber plant? <laughs> or they, they're anti-rubber, right? Yeah, they would be. Yeah. So, but they'd probably be on tire side from rubber because that tire would probably. Well, the thing is weird. They need tires to get away. <laughs> but like, they are doing a lot of damage to tires. Those tires are probably pretty bald. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're not taking care of those cars. Nah. And they're no. driving over those, in those the, rocky terrain in the desert. Those tires are melting. So. Anyway, they're doing a lot of environmental damage for this environment. Yeah, thing. what's it's funny. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the the footprint there? What's the carbon footprint of this film? Well, that's why I said that's why I was making the joke yeah. about like the, the explosion. Like, no, oh, but now that you've like, talked about it more, they like, do oh, an ecologically cool. sound explosion. No chance. Because I thought for a second they, I mean, I was glad they showed the explosions. But that I was like fairly practical. So oh, I, those were absolutely practical. They they <laughs> exploded dynamite on that one pipe. Yeah. The other, I, thing probably, I, yeah, the other thing probably great. didn't need that much. It looks great, but it's just funny that a movie yeah, that's making these points would do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, what is Hollywood but, you know, 
hypocritical. So that's true. It goes right back to Babylon. Fuck up. Neon, you could be better. They, neon really could be better. So, like, it, as far as years go, like, I have this rank right next to Knock at the Cabin, which is interesting for a seasoned director to come in right next to this guy. I don't know. I think they both have really good scripts, but they definitely missed a couple of things. So that's kind of where I would, I'm putting this in my movie. Oh, shit. A Modio beat Hole Solver. I was going to watch it when I got home. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he got his shit pushed in yesterday. Um, is this in jeopardy or like yeah. a fist fight? <laughs> yeah, not a fist fight. Who would win that? Fist fight. I don't know. I, it would be sad. <laughs> I apologize. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. I'm still going to watch uh, it. No, I, I have this. This is, my, this is my number two, actually. Really? Of the year? Yeah. Mine Scream? Yeah, Scream, Scream 6 is still my number one. The MTV, apparently, film of the year winner? Yeah. Uh, good. Uh, say say thank you to him, by the way. <laughs> what? Well, he just gave you a trivia question. For the oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. You gotta warn me. You can't say anything. Everything is a trivia question now. <laughs> um, I mean, you, if you wouldn't have said anything. You would remember that. Hmm? Forget it. Just forget it. I already forgot. Forget. <laughs> okay, Mantis. Yeah, no, I have this too. I have Guardians 3. And Sisu at 5. I have Sisu 4, Guardians 3. That is a weird list. I have Bo's Afraid at 18. I don't have numbers, but Bo's at the bottom of the list. I don't, I've seen more. I think I've seen more. I've watched more streaming movies than you this year. That's right. You know what else I've seen this year? It should be noted. That Bo is Afraid is below it. And this is a movie I would consider to not be a real movie mm-hmm. and thus should not be graded on that same scale. But Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, <laughs> I have ranked higher than Bo is Afraid. And when calling like something the worst movie of all time, I would not consider Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey to be a part of that. Because like it's That's bad, a goofball movie. Yeah. But bad of a made film. Is it better than Bo is Afraid? Did, did I enjoy myself more with it? Yes. Yes. There you go. And it was done quicker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it had Winnie the Pooh. Oh, murdering people. people in hot tubs and, had, and stuff. It had yeah. a man. It had a man in a mask. In a pig, what else pig, do you piglet? want? Is that Piglet? I feel like you're asking a lot. Is Eeyore in that movie? Eeyore is eaten before the movie begins. Oh. By Pooh? By Winnie, by everyone, yeah. So what happens is... You should have reviewed I'm this adding on the podcast. It to the, list. <laughs> the entire plot of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, is that Christopher Robin, Robin, Wobbin. Christopher Robin is hanging out with them for years. I feel like I thought you were going to say Christopher Nolan, and I was like, oh, he would be in this movie. But, <laughs> but eventually, he has to go off to college, and so he leaves them there, and they at that point don't know how to fend for themselves because Christopher Robin's been feeding them, oh. and there's an especially bad winter, and so they're forced to eat Eeyore. <laughs> And eating Eeyore makes all of their brains break. So Christopher Robin in this in this is in this in, reality, Christopher Robin's in the movie. He way. lives in a tree where there's no. Food. Doesn't he live in a tree? No. Christopher Robin's the boy that visits. No, Winnie the Pooh. Oh yeah, he tree. lives in the tree. Christopher Robin comes in the tree. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> so Christopher Robin goes off to college. But Christopher Robin never gives him food. He just gets his own food. Yeah, yeah. He gets I, the I, honey. I, I understand. Yeah. No. But in this movie, the Winnie the Pooh gives them. This I mean, bullshit. Christopher Robin does. And he goes off to college. Where does he go? Uh, Ivy uh, League? It's somewhere in England because it's an English movie. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, Cambridge, which would be the Ivy League of 
Not uh, Oxford. Not a, no, he's not good enough for that. The Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts? No. Is he going to be an actor? He's probably an engineer. I oh, imagine you think he's like so? a, a civil Not a writer? Type. He's nah. imagining this, this fictional world for himself. Well, it's not fictional, obviously. It's real. Obviously not. Yeah, that's true. So then a bunch of these dumb bimbos go and like hang out at the thing, <laughs> and they're slowly killed. Then Christopher Robin comes with his fiance to see how they're doing, and the fiance is fucking murdered. Then, then uh, they Winnie the Pooh, uh, Piglet, and some one of Tigger? the other. Not no Tigger. Can't, Tigger can't be in it. Net. Oh, he's not because Tigger is not a part. Open, of, yeah, Tigger yeah, was domain. made later. Uh, no, I can't remember what the other one was. Tanga? No. Owl? Piglet dies. No. Piglet is murdered. By who? Uh, no, by one of the um, women. Who wins the movie? Winnie the Pooh. Oh, so he <laughs> kills everybody? So He kills everyone and takes Christopher Robin hostage at the end. Does That's he rip off his penis? Does not. Does he disembowel him? No, there's no... Does anybody lose their penis? <laughs> no. Uh, no. It's kind of important. It's we weird. should rank movies on whether <laughs> penis get There is a okay head crushing by Carr. But there is a great part where Winnie the Pooh pulls somebody out of a... A woman out of a hot tub and in doing so, tears off her shirt. So she's like... Or bra, actually. I think it's like she's all naked. That's it's the only like part I've heard about this movie. Yep. Like, I'm never yeah, going to watch this goddamn movie. And then he kills her? He, uh, she's the one that gets her head crushed by the car tire. Because Winnie the Pooh drives a car over her head. Sure. Oh, Winnie the Pooh can drive now. That's good. What's the what's the aspect rate, or what's like the 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 size comparison between Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh? Is, uh, he, is Winnie the Pooh portrayed as small? So Christopher Robin's like just a regular adult man, and Winnie the Pooh is an overweight. Yeah, he was like really man. big from the <laughs> posters I saw. Is he he's like he's like six five. Does he smoke? No. Have you seen the pictures of like Winnie the Pooh looks like in this now? Yeah, it's it. nightmare. Yeah, it's bad. It's a bad movie, but some of the depths are decent. But, but it's better, better than, than Bo's afraid. afraid. There you go. But better than Bo's afraid. Take so that. take that, Ari Aster. I have Bo's afraid, sick, and Ant Man are my bottom three movies this year. I mean, you just vehemently disagree on sick. <laughs> Jane Addams is sick. It can't be the worst movie ever. I didn't say it was the worst movie. It can't ever. be the second worst movie of the year. It just. The ending. He loved. I hated. So that's why. I know. He, I know he did. Still can't did you see it? Just, no. Because eight for me. I have sick above champions. Actually, <laughs> champions is my nine. I have champions right behind Mario. <laughs> Mario is my seven. Mario would be like my second to last. And Mario is right behind Pipeline. Yeah, but you've only seen like ten movies. Right? I haven't seen Renfield's your last, right? Probably. May I? See, the problem with Renfield is that Renfield... Did you ever see Infinity Pool? We, we did Infinity Pool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I was the like, yeah, we did The problem with Renfield is that, like, it... I think it means well. Like, it just didn't... It didn't work. It was an idea that, like, they didn't flesh out into a movie and the yeah. execution didn't work. Ant-Man in The Wasp Quantumania, I think, is, is like... It's an garbage. offense. I hate it. To the culture. Did you see Cocaine Bear? I've seen parts of Cocaine Bear, yeah, because it's on Peacock. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. What do you think of Cocaine Bear? Totally, it's terrible. Well, its tone is makes no sense. I don't even understand what the hell it's trying to do. But I think it's just because Elizabeth Banks isn't really very good at making movies. I don't think she's bad. I don't think I think she's figuring it out. Well, she just there's it's too high. Co- everything she's choosing is very high concept. Except, did she direct the Pitch Perfect? Movies? Yeah, she did three. Was there four of them? I think there's just there's three. Been three, okay, and she, she did, did Wolf. She three, did I think at least three, and then she did the Charlie's Angels. Thing. Well, the thing so Charlie's Angels was like 
knew Charlie's Angels, and she said that that didn't work for a number of reasons. And the cocaine bear concept is just too high. It's too high concept. And so she's, she's directing to the concept and not to, like, I don't know, like trying to make it an actual movie, trying to make it be funny or scary or anything. Different. It's just... Really? I don't know. It's Our top garbage. five is all just changed around. Well, I, no, I have Sisu at four, though. Look but. at you guys. I love it's too Sisu. early for this shit. I Are just want to make agreeing? sure I, I don't think I want to give me a two on one assault. End of year is gonna happen. It's just gonna be like best director. Radio silence for Scream Six. Good God! It, well, that won't happen. I'm uh, pretty confident Scream Six stays in my top ten though. It's fine. It's good. It's gonna drop for me. Oh yeah! Like when movies fucking when start Asteroid coming out. When City comes out, it's gonna plummet. <clears throat> but like if Blitz actually comes are, out, are this you year, gonna see that Asteroid City? No. Oh, I'll I mean, see it. I, I'll see again, it. Again. I'll I'm, see. I'll see it that Thursday. I feel like I've got. I, I I just don't have time for. I don't have time to watch movies, and I'm definitely not going to waste it on a movie I think looks like total fucking garbage. I'd, I'd rather talk about. I want to talk about it with you though. Like, I'll both. try to see it, but if it's not like uh, if it's not convenient for me, it's just not getting seen. I just really don't like most Wes Anderson movies. So, I, well, yeah, we're not Wes Anderson people either. I don't know. There's really not like not a lot of stuff coming out. I no, I, don't, I think we're, it's pretty empty until... I mean, there's like Fast X, which I'll see by myself. It's pretty much empty until Magazine Dream comes out in December. And Barbie, I do want to see Barbie. Oh, yeah, I'll see Barbie. Oh, no, come on. Across the Spider-Verse. I'm just joking. Yeah, of course. I mean... Yeah, anything I can see with my kids, I'm definitely seeing the day it comes out. Anything I can't see with my kids <coughs> is a question. The mark. Blackening, which is getting decent early reviews. Which that is trailer like is funny. What's the blackening? The blackening is it's the black horror movie. Yeah, it's directed by Tim Story, who did Barbershop and all. Oh that. yeah, yeah. But all the other reviews have said like this actually is pretty clever. It looks pretty funny. Hmm. It comes out. I actually am more like there's three movies that come out that day though. Like there's the Flash, which I'll see. That. Is it? What do they have a runtime on that yet? A hundred, hundred hours. <laughs> And it's all set in Hawaii and Vermont. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't edit any of the movie. It's just all the shots they had. They just <laughs> stuck in there. Because I want to see it. I'm just if it's three hours long, I'm just like. Nah. 150 minutes. So Guardians, okay. Yeah. <sighs> I like James Gunn way more. Oh, it's gonna be bad. I mean, there's no way it's gonna be any good. My early reviews have said it's pretty good. Well, the early reviews of everything say it's everything is pretty good. I guess that's fair. Guardians three is also really. It's really good. <laughs> Are you going to see Indiana Jones and Dial Destiny? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be terrible, but sure. It's James Mangold. It doesn't matter. De-aged Harrison Ford. It, Again, we, we didn't learn anything from, from the Irishman. It's that de-aging the face is meaningless. That, you have to de-age That the... motherfucker can probably do his stunt still, though. Like, that dude still, like, bikes well, like, he, 100 Yes, because miles. he ran slow when he was in his 30s. So he was... Slow motion runner when he was in his 30s. But again, Robert De Niro in his 80s or whatever, trying to curb stop a guy pretending to be in oh, his yeah, 30s obviously. doesn't fucking work. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do to his face, he's still like an old man. But they're at least they're not de aging him to like that. Like, there's no, but that's the thing. But like, <coughs> you're still de aging him. And if you're, but if, if he's not up to like moving around well, then you're just gonna be like, that's just. Uh, Why doesn't he move so slow? The extended trailer from that we watched today actually looked 
decent. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's gonna be. It could just be again. all their best. It's just gonna be aliens again. I, I, hope, I hope so. I just, I kind of do just to piss everyone else off again. We're going back into the spinny thing. It's aliens. We're just it's doing always it aliens. The dial. It's a spinny dial. Yeah, yeah. I did. And, I did want to ask crystal this. aliens come back just to piss <laughs> everyone I think, off. I think Andy and I disagreed on this. The big July twenty first controversy. Because when it comes to Oppenheimer versus Barbie, you. I'm going Oppenheimer. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'm, see, I'll see both of those movies. I, yeah, I'm like, going to see what's, both. What's the first one? What's like the one you're more stoked for? Well, so I'm probably stoked. I don't know. It's I'm, hard to say. Barbie, I, like 100%. I'm interested in Barbie. I like Greta Gerwig, um, obviously, um, if you listen to the podcast. I think my kids can see both of these movies and are, are, are interested in seeing both of them. So I, there's a good chance that we can, we can I'll see both of them in like a weekend and we can do it. I'm getting real Josie and the Pussycat vibes from Barbie and that's making me very excited about it. Well, I think, I believe... Because Barbie has like been heavily been like a, a running joke too, like in its own media for right. a while. Yeah, Ryan Gosling is, is going for it hard. Barbie. I mean, he's fantastic. Like, he doesn't. Oh, he's going to be great. Yeah. There's a very good chance that this Barbie thing is unlike anything that like anyone has ever conceived could that, be, that, ever be done. That's what the best case. Like that's what best I'm hoping for. Scenario, right? Um, I and that's what I, I. And if anyone can do it, it's her, it's it's Greta Gerwig with maybe, Margot Robbie, who's always game for everything, and Ryan Gosling, who's always game for everything. Maybe don't let no Obama do too much in the background. John Cena's in Barbie. Goddamn fucking right. I didn't know that. He wasn't in one of the posters. Is Michael Sarah is also in Barbie. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Michael Sarah. Well, the weekends. Yeah. You don't know what my life has been like, Mario. You don't oh, know what my right. life has been like. We got to talk. Let's, let's finish the podcast on my this. My son's new favorite movie is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Which is a tremendous movie. And I fucking hate it. <laughs> I just can't. I is just it, can't is take it. Is it that movie or just don't like Edgar Wright? I'm not a big Edgar Wright fan, but like the. The, the the structure and like the that movie is phenomenal. Oh, that movie is phenomenal. <laughs> I can't even take it. This podcast is now two variations <laughs> of my opinion throughout the entire like the. This is not like a new opinion, but like the. Well, it's kind of funny. Just like we, me and you, mostly agree on most movies. The hardest thing for Except me is sick. to just like Fuck sit it. there and watch it and just be like, and he like laughs, and I'm just like, I fucking hate Michael Sarah so much. <laughs> I like Michael. Well, Michael oh Sarah is the worst part of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. But he's the whole movie. It's mostly people playing off of him. And he's like the straight man for most of it. I don't know. It's just just bad. I don't think Ramona Flowers is worth it. She's not. No. I think all of her boyfriends are cooler than Scott Pilgrim. And like... I'm also... And also... Like, knives. Like, I would fucking easily have just been like, yeah, cool, you're a weird... But Kieran Culkin fucking rules. Like, I'm a big succession he guy. He's, but he's, he's doing so, early Roman stuff in it, for sure. Yeah, it's so... But it's great. Is Roman the succession, succession guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but I also think, interestingly, I think... But knives is like... Like, I would easily... Just really quick, I just want to get this out. Like, I, knives over Ramona. Ten out, ten times. But that's, I think, a flaw in the movie. Is that like I think that's fairly obvious. And the original the ending, the original, think so. the original ending is actually him going back to knives, which is like the better ending. But the the better ending would be that he gets hit by a bus, <laughs> and then knives <laughs> and Ramona date each other. No, she she dates somebody else. Or just she where, dates anybody. Uh, what's his face? Mark Webber, uh, Jesse Simpkins, or whatever from I can't remember his name, but the guy from that was in Jennifer's body. Oh yeah, yeah, 
Mm. She dates that guy. The kind of like the nerdy. What's what's that character's name? I don't. I don't. He's the boring friend. Yes. What is that guy's name? Um, Something like Phil or Neil. Neil. Young Neil. Neil. Young Neil. Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Young Neil should have got everyone. Young Neil should have got everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That movie is. I love that movie. I would agree. Michael Sarah is the worst part of it, but I think that's kind of the point. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. One hundred percent unlikable. Like Brian. Doyle was that his name? No, Brian. Brian. Uh, uh, Brian O'Malley. O'Malley. Yeah. yeah, Brian O'Malley writes Scott Pilgrim to be a real piece of shit. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Oh, an the guy that did the comic book. Yeah, like he's meant to be it. Like they're doing Edgar Wright's. You know that like you're. I assume your son's gonna want to watch that the uh, anime version of it that's coming out on. We uh, almost bought the video game. So I've heard which good I think things looks about like it. The, which looks like the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but they're gonna do an animated. Hmm. version of it with the entire cast from and Edgar Wright's directing it and it's going to be a television thing. Why are we remaking things that were just made? (coughs) Well, because it's being remade. uh, So Edgar Wright and all them doing it just to make it closer to the comics because they made the movie. For money. Stupid. Netflix is throwing a bunch of money. I hate this. Like they're redoing the Harry Potter. Maybe Edgar Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright Wright found out. Maybe Edgar Wright found out Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader broke up. And he's like, this is my chance to get back in there. (laughs) What? Kenzie turned him down because he's 80 and she's 22. Maybe. Uh, They were dating Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader? Oh uh, yeah. Were they dating when they made Noel? When they played brother and sister? Because that's weird. No, I don't think so. I don't remember. I, I, I kind of like that movie. I think they maybe. <laughs> I like met. that movie too. It's too long, but it's, it, yeah. it's funny. I think maybe that that's where they met and started like their oh, their dating. Sick. Yeah, it's, 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 the big Santa Claus siblings are like, you know what? This is working for me. Yeah. But I mostly just love Anna Kendrick. I think that's the curse I have. Kind of goes so trolls, trolls. What's it, well, she's called. I don't. I can't see her in Trolls. What does that help me for? She's here and sing. I've never seen Trolls. Pop, pop, pop karaoke. I probably would watch those, but never did. They're pretty bad, but they're also not the worst. That was like the first, the first movie that was pandemic. The only and they made a shit ton of money because nobody had anything. It's like a jukebox musical thing, right? Is that what they do? It's pretty much yeah. There's no like sing. There's no. There's like one original song, usually per movie. And but then, Katy Perry's in those things, right? Like, she's a main character. I don't know. She's terrible, too. Anyway. It's going off the rails. Yeah. Well, that's not, people that want to stay listening, they do. If anyone's, like, again, if anyone is new listening to, like, for one thing, what, what are they do doing in this they, last hour They here? probably like, this turn it off by that. now. I'm good. No, they do not. They listen all the way through because anything could happen. Uh, but <laughs> we're too sober for that to happen. <laughs> So we will come back at a future time. We don't know when. Probably when you see Bo's afraid, because <laughs> I think we could probably do a. Good well, and we're going to do the Guardians. We got to do the Guardians. Yeah, and the Guardians. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the Bo's afraid's got to come out soon. I mean, it's it's tanking hard. They they just they're just gonna have to. If that's a twenty in a month, a twenty four is getting better at just like releasing that shit out. They are, a month. but Bo is is prestigious for them. It's like a it's a. Real movie. movie. So um, I feel like they're. But it's prestigious. Where they're gonna like make it prestigious by playing nowhere. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean they're just. I mean at least the whale was making consistent amount of money. Absolutely, and they were adding theaters like a little here, a little there. They're literally taking out Bo's Afraid to just put in more screens of Mario Brothers. 
which yeah. has been out for five weeks or four weeks. So, yeah, I think there you go. I I, I think even like so I think Cease Sisu has made eight point nine million dollars. Bo is afraid. About the same, it's got to be. Has made eight point four. Bo is afraid <laughs> was out for a week longer. Sisu, a movie that got almost probably no average, like some advertising. No advertising. Yeah. Does not have Joaquin Phoenix in it. Does not. Is a uh, Finnish Or Richard film. Kind. That's in mostly in English, but... It's uh, also long English. Is Richard Kind in it? He's not. Well, I mean, that's a, that's, yeah, that's a negative for your movie if you don't have Richard Kind in it. I am glad. Remember I said that I'm pretty confident CeCe's going to beat it, and I was right. In the box office. Yeah. When when you're getting beaten by CeCe... <laughs> and you're a prestige... I mean, movie. it's a by far a better movie, but... Yeah, I, yeah. I think, it, but it's embarrassing. Money it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Twenty four. I think they just they just have to release that shit on VOD and just just call it a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's out in less than a month. Uh, again, it, that would be if it's if it takes that long, then it's a mistake. But A twenty four has routinely made these mistakes, where like everyone's just like, I want to watch this movie, <coughs> and it's in no theaters. Where can I see it? it, it and they yeah. just wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. You're right. Putting forward does do that, and it's not gonna make. It's not gonna do. There's no reason to save it for like an Oscar push or anything like that. It's, it's not winning not any Oscars. No. Anyway, um, yeah. What what are we doing here? I don't know. All we can say is that go to watch Beetlejuice Two is gonna start Jenna Ortega to the surprise of nobody. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on this <laughs> and, podcast now. And go watch Sisu because it rules. Yeah, and uh, drink some Athletic Brewing Company beer. I'm sorry, I wasted this beer. It was just too hot. Yeah, like our hot takes. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Hot justice. <laughs>